Hi, it's Hoa. I'm back again. I have something really important to talk about. It's a subject we rarely discuss because it can make us feel uncomfortable. Sexual harassment at the workplace. You know, and I'm like, why does this person keep pressing up against me? And I realize that you have all this fucking space here, and I stick his penis out. And Harvey, blessed Harvey Weinstein, whose tattoo I still have on my bum. should stay off the gold standard so that the pound can reach a level that will keep our exports competitive. The lady has foolishly attempted to join the conversation with a wild and dangerous opinion of her own. Who lives in the east beneath the willow tree? Sexual harassment. Panda who explains sexual harassment to you and me. Sexual harassment. Panda, don't say that, don't touch there, don't be nasty, says the silly bear. He's gonna tell you what's right and wrong, sexual harassment, Panda. <laughs> Welcome to Last Man Earth, my name is Lex Jurgen, as always I'm flanked by Matt Ralston. Matt's been hit with no less than 30 accusations of gay-baiting males in West Hollywood this week. <laughs> Unlike all these Hollywood types who stood by while Harvey Weinstein plied his horrible trade, I'm coming out now to say all the accusations are true. Truth to power, Matt. I'm a fucking hero. I'm calling you out. Ever since we had that alt-right uh, gay prostitute go-go dancer on the yes, show, yes. Uh, <laughs> we've. Uh, that, isn't that always how it works, though? I mean, I, you know, I might go to a gay bar, but... I never prostituted myself to a man before, but, you know, I'm also not uh, part of this weird cult. So. But what about gay betting? So uh, let's say James Franco's on the high on the scale of gay betting. How, yeah. many, how many straight guys do you think in town are gay betting males? Um, it, it seems to be common. a thing that common, you do right? once you've made it. Yes. Like, I, I don't know if anyone takes you seriously if you're kind of up and coming doing a lot of gay betting. Like, once you have the, uh, you know, the... The prestige, uh, like every celebrity does, does a lot, not every, but, you know, it's very common among male celebrities, David Bowie, Dennis Rodman. Well, they actually uh, were gay, I think. <laughs> I mean, they actually had sex with men at some point. I don't know. I mean, it I seems mean, like, dress. It seems like such a cheap, easy way to be edgy, like well, with Franco especially. But with female, uh, female celebrities, they all visit the gay, they all have big gay followings, right, generally. Like your Amy Schumer's or whatever, they're all going to be at gay bars getting their gay credibility, right? Because they want to immerse themselves in the gay culture because that's their fan base. Mm -hmm. But you don't see a lot of male, like, comedians or male actors hanging out, straight male actors hanging out in gay bars with lots of gay friends to... No, they're more on the down low. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. If they are gay and they don't really have necessarily a gay male following, so they're not really, unless they're gay... How do gays pick who they like? They like Cher, Barbara Streisand, Lady Gaga. I think they like... Don't they like women who look like they could be trannies? Yeah, or like ostentatious appearance. Very dramatic females that also... And obviously the women cater to the gay audience specifically. They like musical... You know, honestly... Very drama, heavy on the drama. Their taste is... Horrible. Abysmal. It's just horrible. It's really bad. I mean, you know, nothing against the gay community, but, you know, every culture has its pros and cons, and Jesus Christ, that is a huge negative. Don't they pick female icons that that they can dress up as? That are easy to dress up. Don't they all dress up as Cher and Lady Gaga and Barbara Streisand? I mean, isn't that like common for the trannies to go dress like that? 
I think. I mean, I know they freak out and start screaming, but this is a also a pretty small subset of the gay population. West this Hollywood? is the guy. This is the guy that came up maybe in the more conservative background, and you know maybe watched a few movies, and he's under the impression that being gay makes you automatically fucking hilarious. Yes. And uh, the louder you are, the more funny you are. The life of the party. That everyone's going to like it as yeah. a novelty, but now that you know gays are. <laughs> You know, in various uh, aspects of leadership, the novelty is really worn off at this point. You always appoint the gay guy to host the party, to host the office party, because he <laughs> must know what he's doing. <laughs> Whereas I'm most of the gay men I know are inherently kind of sad and aren't really very good at, aren't very good at throwing parties. If you get a lot of them together in the same room, though, it can become kind of unbearable. Yeah, I agree with that. This week's show is sponsored by Stephen Hawking's Expanding Universe thesis from Cambridge in 1966. Uh, did you know, Matt, it just became available online over the weekend after 50 years uh, being closely held? Well, I thought he'd written several books on that. Theory. His actual thesis, his thesis document has been held by Cambridge for the last 50 years. It's been available only to scholars through a borrowing situation. Uh-huh. And finally, after 50 years, Cambridge released it to the public online so anyone could see his thesis if who wanted to. Okay. And actually, the servers crashed. Uh-huh. It was so popular, servers crashed. Stephen Hawking's Expanding Universe thesis, like Beyonce's Lemonade, only Jay Z didn't write it while Stephen Hawking was having a hair weave. <laughs> so, yeah, I was thinking like, who the fuck was like? I mean, I imagine the Cambridge servers are not like the uh, you know iTunes servers; they're not exactly up for billions of simultaneous uh, you know downloads. But how? Who was like waiting fifty years to see, see the thesis? Yeah, he's written books, all this other stuff. But the thesis is the original document. Like, how many millions of people were, like, dying to get Hawking's thing? Which, by the way, I assume almost nobody could understand. Right. That's what I was thinking. How, how many of those people that downloaded it could comprehend it? Because even the, the sort of books that he's written simplifying the theory and putting it in layman's terms, you know, it's not easy reading. So it's probably just dudes that wanted to, you know, download it and show it to some chick. Like, you know, accidentally pops up on their browser. Oh, yeah, I was reading The Expanding Universe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I got the original thesis statement. A lot of those motherfuckers. Yeah. They'll, they'll print it out and bring it to the fucking pub yeah, what while are you they order an IPA with their fucking ponytail. <laughs> Assholes, does, I know exactly what you're doing. It does sound like there's no uh, nothing new. And by the way, I believe Hawking, I, I compare Hawking to, like, marketing executives, whereas he's invented a science no one else can understand, and therefore he can always, like, claim to be an expert in it and no one understands it. I feel the same way about people in marketing, mm-hmm. which is they claim to be experts or gurus or influencers in marketing and since no one understands what the fuck they're talking about and there's no proof there's no actual proof practical proof of their science mm-hmm. they can just claim to be great at it yeah that's I think, talking to me i think hawking also has a little bit of the like uh reinvent myself as yes. an artist thing because initially uh when he was his younger self his theory was that the universe wasn't expanding and then he was like did some calculations <laughs> who knows what that means and then he he uh, changed his mind uh, something about um uh, black holes and and uh, fuck I can't. Yeah, there's remember like that. nobody else. There's like two other guys in his field who could potentially argue with him in the entire world. Yeah, and then he's but he's got the voice box and uh, wrong. Like you know, just he has this aura of genius around him. Whereas you can't be, right. he's like he's like a like a guru. He has like a like a cyborg quality to him <laughs> yes. now. Like you cannot. Who's going to disagree? Like whoever says, raise your hand. I disagree with Hawking. Well, I disagree with him on this in that I actually took the time to do these calculations. Um, his book, which I read by the way, uh, that he wrote in the late nineties. Uh, at the time, you know, due to his disability, he had to, and, and the technology hadn't come that far, so he could only speak. Uh, one word per minute, and he couldn't write. And this book was something like 50,000 words. 
Oh, when you, so when you say calculations, you don't mean calculations on the black hole theory? No. You mean calculations on how many pages you can write in his book? Yeah, these calculations <laughs> took about 10 minutes, and I'm calling bullshit that he wrote the book. I, I think he's more of a composite of his whole department, you know? And it might be. He's like the Barbara Cartland of romance novels. He's hiring out, like he's hiring out other people to do his work for him. I think so. He's like, it's got to be like he gets, uh, he gets like, or like uh, uh, old dirty bastards, uh, old dirty bastards, tales from the prison, tales from prison. He wasn't really writing them, but he was a face of them. <laughs> That's nice. I uh, hope you get swallowed in the black hole first. Uh, all right, Matt. If you wish to contact us, uh, the show hit us up on Twitter, Last Man Podcast, or on Facebook, also Last Man Podcast. All right, on to the show, uh, Matt. Are you a fan of Barstool Sports? The guys in Barstool Sports. Uh, I'm aware of it. What was the guy recently got fired because he wrote that Rihanna was fat, uh, which she was, and then Barstool Sports fired him because they were getting a lot of backlash, and then Barstool Sports said, um, no, we just fired him because he wasn't funny, and I don't know if I believe that, but... Uh, well, Rihanna Fat Chuck's not so funny. Well, but she was pretty fat. She did get a little, She did put a lot of weight on in her off time, uh, which I'm never going to make fun of somebody for, because like, God only knows if you have $100 million in the bank and you're successful, why not get a little fat when you have the chance in between tours? I mean, they go on tour for like a year. She's got a six-month break. Eat a, eat a few cheeseburgers. Yeah. Uh, Barstool Sports, I like it as a th- th- in theory, which I like, I like the fact that it's a, it's a counter to progressive culture, frat guy like you know we're gonna not be afraid to say anything like, like what fat. guys talk about when they're sitting around watching football yeah and they, it's like it's a put a lot of it's a put on obviously they're playing character they're playing characters but it's i like the fact that it exists i don't like the content so much I, I don't laugh at it so much as i like the fact that it exists is it, it what is it it's like a politically incorrect it's a politically incorrect it was a website and now they have a podcast and, and tv shows and things like that and basically like like they have the show uh uh, uh God, what was it called? Uh, I don't remember the name. But they have a podcast with Big Dave Katz, and this guy who goes by PFT Commenter is his name. And they make fun of all the sports fans who write in, like, stupid comments. Mm-hmm. And they just, make fun of, they just make fun of the guy, like sports geeks. They make fun of sports geeks, basically. Yeah. And just call them losers. Essentially call them losers in a very long, funny, in a funny way. <laughs> so, it's a, I mean, it's a, they're actually not only counter to, like, the female-dominated culture, feminist culture, they're actually counter to, like, male sports fans. They just take on it. They just tear down everybody, basically. So who's their audience? Uh, <laughs> it's guys who think they're hipper than, like, you know, it's guys who are like, you, you're the audience, actually, now that I think about it. Okay. For Barstool Sports, you might like it. But, they, they, but they've come into trouble because they make a lot of comments. They'll say things about women that people that are funny, maybe, but that people don't say anymore in common culture on Twitter without getting busted. So they, the guy, Dave Portnoy, the president of it, got in a big fight with uh, Sam Ponder on ESPN. She's a blonde. She's Christian Potter's wife. She's an ESPN host. This, and she's like a does sports reporting. Mm-hmm. And like two or three years ago, he ripped on her and just basically told her she was a talentless hack. And like, you know, I think sort of implied that because she's good looking, she got the job and other things like that. Which so, is obvious. Which seems obvious. But he was trying to troll. He was definitely trying to troll her. These guys try. They. It's it's hard to tell online these days that people are actually being actually satirical and. And, and anti-establishment, or just trying to troll. Mm-hmm. It was a very fine, there's a very fine line between being a provocative person and just saying provocative things to get you know <laughs> to get an audience. And I think Portnoy does both. He does both, right? They play. He plays a character called El Presidente of Barstool Sports. So part of it is this put on of like. You know his his is you know white male character. <laughs> so right? he's he's a character who probably says uh, and thinks the exact same things as the guy playing the character. Yes, basically. it's like a little loophole. Yes, it's a nice loophole. President and they created intentionally created a workers employment agreement that said basically we're going to talk shit about 
we're going to talk porn- pornographic around the office, and you can't sue us for sexual harassment. I like that. Yeah, and but he like they did that knowing it would be leaked mm-hmm. to the just to create a controversy about the fact that they were going to do that, right? So that's the kind of outfit they are. So ESPN, in their infinite infinite st- idiocy, they can't seem to make a right decision these days. They've seen waning numbers of subscribers. They've seen all this thing about how they're becoming very soft and progressive and, you know, don't cater to the hardcore sports fans anymore. So they decide Barstool Sports is a very active, especially online, and their online community is very active. They decide they want to do a show with Barstool Sports, which seemed very antithetical to everything ESPN's been doing for the last two or three years politically, right? That is such a a calculated, a a miscalculation, but nonetheless very calculated (laughs) on their part. And, and probably that's when the, the guy got fired for the Rihanna thing. They were, yes, and that's when, the, by the way, that's the, when the first episode was about there, they called it Barstool Van Talk. So they were like, the guys were going to be in a van talking, talking sports. That Barstool is so sports. not cool. <laughs> no, right. <laughs> but it's, it's Barstool. It's Barstool. Bar, it was like the guy insisted. <laughs> wait, wait, the guys hang out in a van? <laughs> yeah. What the fuck are they doing? <laughs> I don't, they're not. That's all the time. The van, it's van talk. It's like guys in a van talking about sports. It's not sports. a thing. It guys is. in a van. Come on. It's a nice van talk. Van talk. Just admit it. It's a nice talk. <laughs> Barstool van talk. And so uh, it's a hook. I, would, I mean, so they had one. So they, they made a big deal. Of it. it was going to be on, like, late night on ESPN, of course. And they were going to be no holds barred or whatever it was. We we're going to try to take ESPN to task. Like, they were going to make fun of ESPN even. It was the whole thing. And then Christian Ponder, Sam Pond, Samantha Ponder came out and, like, replayed on Twitter all the bad shit that Portnoy had said about her three years earlier, all the sexist shit he said. And then they went through the ESPN, whatever, and there was, like, protests, of course, and after one week, they canceled the whole show. <laughs> it aired one week, and then uh, uh, Skipper, John Skipper, the ESPN president, and all these stories, announces like, "Oh, there was nothing wrong with the content per se, but we didn't think it was going to be so barstooly." It's <laughs> so, like we didn't think we thought we could distance ourselves from the barstool, the whole barstool, uh, you know, uh, aura. Which, by the way, you allowed the show to be called, ba- called barstool. <laughs> like, and, and, and the guy Portnoy said, like specifically, we argued over that. I wanted the name Barstool in it because that's why the fuck we're doing this. Mm-hmm. It's that we don't need this. We're doing this to promote our brand, and ESPN is getting all this free audience out of it. It was going to be Barstool the whole time, and Skipper, like, had to apologize and then say, like, they're canceling after one episode. <laughs> Here's my real question. is like, it just seemed like, a, it seemed like an obvious bad fit from the beginning. It's like a lethal dose theory, and obviously ESPN is just hedging these these sort of uh, politically uh, correct morals or what you know pressure that they have on them at this point. So uh, they've gone sort of annoying progressive, and now they're thinking, okay, we can balance it out with this edgy thing, but it's not too edgy. So we'll we'll tell you exactly what you can and can't say. So we'll try and toe this line that we're you know that we've created. Uh, why isn't anyone watching ESPN? Why does this guy have a job? How many, like, bad, like, they like, what does he get? I mean, here's what I wonder. Like, what does he do at his annual employee review? Like, all right, we lost a shit ton of subscribers. <laughs> you made a lot of high-profile botches in the, with, your, with your management decisions. We've had this Jamil Hill, all the other shit going on. Yeah, we're losing money hand over fist. We just have to fire, like, a third of our staff. All right, what can we expect next year? Like, <laughs> like how do people keep their jobs in, like, media? I've always wondered that, like. Usually what happens is there's, like, a glaring error. They get fired, like a movie bombs, and they get fired finally, mm. even if they're not responsible for that particular error. How does a guy, how does the head of ESPN keep his job? I don't even understand that. I don't know. They're, they're becoming just almost a punchline in terms of people who don't even really follow 
you know, media and, and entertainment that, like, they're just known as a, a sucky entity at this point. I, I don't understand how they did not foresee the backlash from ESPN on a show with Barstool Sports. How did they not foresee they'd be canceling in, in a big uproar after one week? And then now Barstool Sports, of course, is mercilessly attacking ESPN for being a bunch of pussies, which they are, and they always were. But why did they not, how did they not see this? It's like we're in L'Oreal. We talked about hired the tranny model yeah. to do the tranny activist model to, do, to be their spokesperson. And within two days, they had to fire her because of all the shit she was talking about yeah. them. And then she went on even bigger rants against them. I feel like if Logo gave Ted Nugent a show yes. and everyone's like, what the fuck are you doing? And uh, and then can like he said something incredibly racist. Yeah, we'll have to fire him. I was thinking like, what if Howard University invited Richard Spencer to come speak? <laughs> they like if they did it, it would be as a obviously well known controversial thing, right? Like we want to hear the not we want to hear the white KKK guy speak at Howard because we want to show how dumb he is. It would be calculated, right? Mm-hmm. They would understand, and everyone would understand that at ESPN. There's no understanding that we're bringing Barstool Sports in to make fun of them. We're doing it to try and get bigger audience. And I just there was no there's no way to spin this where you think like that's a good idea. No, I want a fucking media. I want to I want to be president of ESPN because I, I don't know what ESPN people always say they're sort of you know biased against the left and and I'm sure the the left thinks they're biased against the right and that they participate in rape culture as evidenced by a bunch of guys sitting around in a van, which seems <laughs> a little bit sketchy in my opinion. Um, I guarantee you would love the show, but I, I don't know. They're they're so. They're desperate to not offend anyone, but no one watches that, right? You have to be provocative. So it turns into... Well, they don't mind... I don't think they mind offending people. They don't want to offend women, per se. They don't want a Twitter storm from feminists saying that they have rapey guys in a van talking about sports and making fun of women, which is fair enough. I understand that ESPN doesn't want that. Then why did they, why did they build the show? I don't know, because sports seems to lend itself to arguments and differing opinions. So you have... Uh, well, now they fired a lot of these guys, like Bayless. But uh, who's the guy that yells, Stephen A. Smith? Yeah. So he's, like, screaming, uh, and he's like, the, the, the guy's uh, three-point percentage was 297, not 298. And, like, so he's he's got to be angry about something, but he really has no material. <laughs> no. So He plays the angry black guy in ESPN. But you do need— But he is friends, he is friends with all the top ballers. Like, you need conflict in any— any story in, in entertainment period you need conflict and they argue they, i mean espn the only guy i like in espn i like brad van pelt uh because he's funny and he actually says things that are somewhat controversial about sports i mean i'm talking about politics he actually like will call out a bad player as being a bad player which uh, i appreciate he's not just a he's not a cheerleader for sports but i don't i think that i don't think it's even left or right i think it's people don't want to have politics infused in their sports. I mean, people don't want that shit. And the people who want it are a marginal audience who gets screams like crazy on Twitter. But they're not the subscriber audience of 60 million that's now 50 million or 45 million because those people are leaving. I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how averse they are to politics. Like, I, I'm actually pretty fascinated by the interjection of sports and politics. But, you know, you have uh, Real Sports on HBO and other shows yeah, like Yeah, so you don't that. need any ESPN. Probably not, especially if you're not allowed to say anything. Like, I don't want to hear politics in, in which everyone's afraid to get fired because then, you know, everyone's just you know, or, they're not or saying or anything interesting. Or conversely, they're just trying to be provocative to get to get views. Right. Which is what I think Jamil Hill does, which is I think she's legitimately a social activist, but I think she also then tweets things she knows are going to get be controversial to cre- give herself more credibility. It's just, it's depressing to me when, I mean, the Kaepernick thing is a great example. They'll bring up Kaepernick. 
And, you know, uh, you can tell that they had a conversation before they went on the air about what they are and aren't allowed to say. Yes. And everyone's just kind of looking around like they don't really want to say anything because (laughs) they, you know, don't want to get suspended and lose money or or get fired or or whatever or face a backlash on Twitter. So it's like if you can't say anything, then just don't fucking bring up the topic. Here's how I feel about ESPN, and it's what Jamil Hill said earlier this summer. Which is, I don't, it doesn't matter if you hate us, we have all the best games. <laughs> which is, I think, one of the few honest things she said, which is totally true. I watch ESPN, all the games, uh, college football games on ESPN. I don't like them, but they, do have, they did pay billions and billions of dollars to have the broadcast rights to all the best games. To me, they're the girl with big tits and a horrible personality. Still getting asked out all the time. Still getting hit on. It doesn't really matter. Right. Matt, let me ask you a, deep, a very deep question. Uh, uh, Nicki Minaj... Do you know who Nicki Minaj is? Yes, she has a, a horrendous-looking fake ass implant and uh, boob implants also. Uh, yeah. I consider uh, her the better-looking Black China. She she does raunchy raps, uh, which was, you know, interesting and novel uh, 25 years ago. So her older brother, who I guess she's, unlike a lot of celebrities, she's very close to her family. She's very close to her older brother. But as it turns out, her older brother got accused of raping his stepdaughter young mm-hmm. stepdaughter repeatedly for seven or eight months. Yeah, it seems like the evidence... I'm is sorry, I take back that giggle. That was really <laughs> horrible. It seems the evidence is pretty strong. So uh, she's, she's going to testify on his behalf. She's gonna, and it seems like, by the way, it does seem like perhaps the mother of the stepdaughter, the, the wife, I guess you would call her, uh, it did try to shake down the family for money after the rape, to which they're trying to say it's a sh- whole thing's a shakedown. I'm like, no, you don't understand how shady people work. They let their daughter get raped and then they shake you, they shake you down. Both both likely happened. Mm-hmm. So Nicki Minaj is going to testify on behalf of her older brother in his child rape case, which I think to me raised the question of familial bonds. Where, yes. where, where do those begin? Where do, for you, where do the family bonds end? Like what kind of crime does your family have to commit before you do not show up to testify as a character, a character witness on their behalf? As soon as they are charged with a serious crime and there is fairly irrefutable evidence that they did it, uh, they are no longer family. I'm not <laughs> probably not talking to them anymore. Where's the fine um, line? Embe- what about embezzling? Oh, that's fine. That's fine. fine. Embezzling. Yeah. Uh, uh, what about uh, uh, minor assault? Totally fine. Any any kind of rape or murder. Um, rape murder. For sure, I'm out. Or, what about or, grand theft auto? I'm fine with that. Any yeah. any kind of profiteering, bank uh, robbery, price fixing, inside trading. I'm I'm out on what that. Arm, arm robbery. Um. I, I, I would want them to do time, and then perhaps if they, you know, rehabilitated themselves to some degree, I, m- I might uh, forgive them. What do you do as a character witness in a child rape trial? <laughs> when you're defending the child I never rape. saw him raping any kids, like, you know? No, I mean, we, we played Monopoly when we were 10, and he was awesome. He was awesome. <laughs> never tried. Did I say never tried? That's like the, even the Weinstein people at first, before they realized they couldn't do this. They all say, I, ne- I never, never tried to rape me, like, before they realized that was not an okay answer. I, I don't get why... Obviously, the emotional appeal, but why is it relevant? Like, uh, yeah, he didn't rape people in front of his family. Well, that doesn't change the fact. And I, yeah, well, they're trying. They're still trying to cast doubt over whether or not he actually did did the raping. So, So, Nicki Minaj, fucking weirdo pop star. Like, is that going to influence the jury? Well, she's going to testify that uh, also that the mother, maybe that someone in the family tried to hit her up for cash to be quiet about the whole thing. But then again, to me, that if you're like. If you're if you rape a girl, if you're if you're a shady person who hangs out, people here's something people don't realize about crime, especially sex crimes, violent crimes. Almost all of it happens between and among shady people. 
It actually doesn't happen. I have this whole Dick Wolf TV theory about law and order shows where people always believe crime happens between, like, a really evil person and a really innocent victim. And that's how the TV shows work. <laughs> but in most cases, actual crime occurs in among, between, really, people that are in, in bad situations to begin with. It's like sp- fighting spouses. It's like gang members. It's like drug, drug deals. It's like, I'm talking about violent crime now. It happens usually in, in, a, in a very shady place where shady people, op- shady people operate. So I'd say for the most part, yeah, it's it's pretty rare that someone walks up to a stranger on the street and shoots them. Right? Yeah, but I mean, you could be shot by if you, if you're shot by a straight bullet, you're probably in a bad part of town. Mm-hmm. You're in a situation where you're hanging out. You, you put yourself in a neighborhood where there are bad people. The Cholos taught us that week last week, Matt. Uh, but it's quite possible the guy raped the brother was looking for the daughter. He married the mom. She's a shady person. He's a shady person. He raped the daughter. The mom's like, fuck, I could go to the police and put him in jail. But instead, he's got a rich-ass sister. Why don't I go ask her for some hush money? I think that's exactly what happened. Isn't that illegal if she did that? Well, yeah, but how are you going to prove it if she phoned, if she phoned her? Unless she got records of that. She's just Nicki Minaj doing like a little uh, snake dance <laughs> talking about her brother. It's really, you know, how, how just, you know, people are, by nature, if you've made it this far, your DNA is just geared for self-preservation at all costs. And you really just see how little empathy people have for the rest of the world when uh, a family member murders someone or yeah. rapes someone and they stick up for him like OJ's children, you know? And why do you think they have his back? Well, probably some goes biologically into, into you know, sticking by your family, but he's also has a lot of money and probably pays the rent. You know? People have a weird thing about blood when it comes to that, right? I mean, I believe that you should be, you, I believe you owe your family, assuming they're nice family, an obligation. Uh, but they do have that weird thing, even when they've committed horrible crimes, where they still stand by them for whatever reason. And, like, you know, I can see a mother wanting to stick up for her son no matter what, because the mo- mother always can't believe her son is such a monster. Mm-hmm. But every brother's got it. Brother's got it. Brother's <laughs> sibling's got to understand what's really fucking going on, because they, they know the kid pretty well, and they're very on- much more honest about their feelings. Yeah. You know if you've got a shitty brother. If you've if you're, if you got a brother who's a, ra- a child rapist, you kind of know. You kind of you kind of aware of that. And even if they don't stick up for the person, who's the last family that gave the money back? I don't believe that's ever happened. I mean, you know, there's so many examples. The Vegas shooter's uh, Filipino wife is like, uh, yeah, you know, I, I got a clear conscience about this. And they're like, well, are you going to give back that money that he wired you uh, for that house? And she's like, and maybe give that to the victims. And uh, she's like, no. And I'm done talking to the media. And I mean, fuck. I actually, I actually found it uniquely refreshing that the Clintons refused to give back the Weinstein money because <laughs> there was like a million, a million eight, and they're like, everyone's like, oh, you can give back the money now. They're like, yeah, no. <laughs> There's a nice purity about that family. <laughs> they're just like, fuck it, no. Like, why, why would we? We took a hundred million from uranium, whatever. Like, yeah. fuck it, we're in this for the money. Uh, we are honored today to be on the Last Minute Podcast with special guest Preeti Upala. Hello, Preeti. Hi, namaste. I'm so honored to be on your show. I uh, love the fact that you're international. We're trying to get diverse here on the show. Matt and I are the least diverse podcast hosts ever. So <laughs> we're trying to like, Woo-hoo. we've just gone, uh, we're, we were trying every week to have somebody on who has a different opinion than us. Awesome. And uh, not only do you have a different opinion probably than us be, being a woman, but you also are a very spiritual person. Yes, what does when someone says they're into spirituality? What and I understand when someone says they're really Catholic or they're really Muslim or they're really Jewish. What does it mean to be really spiritual? For me, spirituality um, means that you realize you are not just the mind and the body. 
uh, but you are the soul that lives within and that's how you operate life so when you interact with people you realize that they're not just their mind and bodies you know there is a spirit that resides within and your whole look of life is that way inclined and uh, you, there is a oneness and you know there is this energetic consciousness out there and we're all connected and that we uh, we are here for a karmic reason you know to fulfill the spirit's highest potential and uh, you know living life in that way from the heart from the soul uh, that's my idea of spirituality that's very cool <laughs> i'm not sure i understand it exactly <laughs> But I, under, I, I, I like spiritual people, yes. especially like people that are into spirituality over religious doctrine, mm. because I find religious doctrine is just sort of someone made up a long time Absolutely, ago. Absolutely. Yeah. And everyone just sort of agrees with it because they're told to by their parents. <laughs> Anything your parents tell you to do really strongly is probably not a great idea. Uh, so how does that differ than religion? How does spirituality differ than religion in your eyes? Because I think religion came uh, a, a lot of, well, other than, I think, the Vedic tradition is, is, of course, the oldest. And that I wouldn't even consider Hinduism and Buddhism as religions. I think they're really ways of life or a way to live or, uh, or, or a set of philosophies. But the other uh, you know, religions, are, it's, they're very dog, dogmatic. They're, the base is in fear and control. And uh, some of them were established specifically to just control the society, which, w by the way, was needed because people were going haywire. So they had these set of belief systems that you had to follow. And if you... The they're, like, they're more like a government, right? Yeah, but the issue is if you don't follow them, you're a bad person, you're going to hell. And then you look at some of the other religions where it gets even more uh, tricky because the, then they go on to that belief system that only I'm right, you're wrong, you're going to hell because you don't believe in the God that I do, and I'm going to kill you, and that's totally okay. And that's why we have all these religious wars around the world. It's very interesting. So uh, uh, would you say, uh, just having met Matt and I, we're very spiritual people? I don't know Did you. <laughs> of course we are. I mean, we're all... The so there's no one, everyone has the same spiritual, everyone has the same soul, basically, well, in the, terms of worth. Yes, uh, okay. some are old. In terms of potential. Absolutely. And we, we've all reincarnated, you know, this time around to uh, go through that karmic cycle of life. And uh, hopefully by the end of the lifetime, uh, you've uh, fulfilled your dharma, you, which is your life purpose. And you've fulfilled the samskara, which is the karmic cycle of um, uh, birth and death. And how that come, happens within a lifetime. How come everybody who has, when they get in touch with their past life, was always like a prince or a king? I don't know. You know what? I, <laughs> I know I was, but I've had several regressions to prove that. In the royal court? I, they're always in the royal court of somewhere. Totally. They're, they're never like a, a dung farmer. You're so, that's a good point. That's why I won't check mine. I'm pretty sure I was a dung farmer. I mean, a lot of people who are highly evolved and highly sort of spiritual already, they usually have had very intense past lives. Mm -hmm. So maybe there's a connection there. But I think for the rest of the people saying that I was a king or a queen, it's fantasy, I think, because there were not that many kings around. Well, if I'm a, if, yeah, no, if I'm a, if I'm a, do the person engaged in that sort of as an advocation and telling people their past lives, I'm not going to tell them something they don't want to hear. That's right. right? That's yeah. not good. So how do you know you were a queen? Like, what's your Because I had a, a bunch of... Um, so there's two ways to do this. One is you can have a regression yourself where somebody will guide you and take you back to that past lifetime. And the other way is when, when they actually do it on your behalf. And that's more powerful, especially if they're very skilled and they can really tap in. 
I've had both done multiple times and they all came to the same conclusion. By the way, we've had many past lives. Some people have had thousands, but it's those, uh, the ones, the most intense ones, the ones that had the most karma that now you came back to kind of fulfill balance that karma. That's important. So for so me, you're I've talking had, like a yeah. mystical experience. Yeah, very much so. Are there any mushrooms involved? No. Oh no! <laughs> I'm not doing it. I took shrooms one time. I saw a bunch of past lives. It was, <laughs> maybe they, they weren't mine exactly. I think you know, anyone who says. I, I meet potheads who are like, oh, man, dude, I'm smoking yeah. this ganja for a spiritual experience. Yes. I'm like, bullshit, you're not. You're just trying to get high. I you know? would, uh, Call it lot, what it is. Knowing a lot of potheads, I would say you're absolutely correct. <laughs> Although uh, the Native Americans do use pe- yes, peyote. And ayahuasca and all yeah, those yeah, things. Yeah, to, uh, to see a, a high, sort of an acid It just trip. expands your consciousness to a point where I think you see a little deeper. That's all. Yeah. It's, it just it's like creates an environment for you to get there. But if that's not where you want to go, then you just... It opens you up and then you're just like you know well, zoned even, out even with alcohol people drink it's they like, get very honest the they get very honest yeah, yeah they, they do they do they lose their defense their defense True. mechanisms go away well how would you know if you're like i took a class in hagiography which is um you know study all the catholic saints oh. not because i'm catholic i just uh easy yeah it fit into the time frame in which i needed to take the <laughs> class because uh, i didn't want to get up early but uh so the saints, you know, here's how you become a saint, mm. especially back in the day. You pray 18 hours a day, have conversations with God, and frequently uh, go out in the street and perform a bunch of histrionics, like cut yourself and mm. say you're bleeding for someone or whatever. So if you're having this experience, how can you really know that you're not just a crazy person? Well, I mean, uh, anytime you're inflicting pain upon yourself, I think that's that shouldn't be the... I'm definitely against that. <laughs> <laughs> That's not worth it to I me. It's it pretty c- common. I mean, the Buddhists set themselves on fire yeah, but, all the time. But uh, you're right. And in, in Thailand as well, they, they give themselves tattoos and all that. But that's a form of Buddhism that's very specific. Uh, only sure. the Thai monks do that. I think if you go to other parts of the world... It's the, like a sacrifice the, the of some kind. Buddhist monks yeah. don't do that. I think it's, they're trying to repent, you know, on I don't get people who like pain. It just never really occurred to me that that's a fun, that's a fun thing. Those are people <laughs> that have never really experienced other pain in their life. That's true. Maybe they're making up for it. Um, I think there's a difference between prayer and meditation. Because prayer is, you know, you're, you're uh, pleading with the Lord or you're, you're uh, you know asking or you're you know you're making someone you know hear out your uh what's going on inside but meditation is the opposite because you're listening and you're still and you're waiting for divine intuition and the divine uh voice to speak to you so i think if you're gonna pray for you know 18 hours or whatever that's great i mean it's a lot of dedication but if you were meditating for 18 hours a day believe me so much would happen and you would really get the divine intuition you'd become a real uh, mystical uh, spiritual guru type person you'd have you know you'd be very aware what about like a half hour bikram yoga <laughs> followed by starbucks and maybe chatting it, it totally on my defeats, <laughs> Totally defeats the You know, I think I have a big issue with... Uh, so I'm Indian and... So I know, you have the amazing... Everything you say sounds amazing because you're Indian. <laughs> so you can talk about spirituality with people with American accent can't talk no, about. No, it, it sounds very daft, you know. Yeah. And uh, especially here in LA, there's this... You know, there's too many white chicks called Lakshmi who are talking about these poses. Like, I mean, it's ridiculous. So, it, you know, I'm a little bit biased because I... Are you shading the Lakshmis? <laughs> Padma, Lakshmi, you I think, I think I'm shading the, the Caucasian 
uh, try hard Lakshmi's, you okay. know, not the ones who are actually called Lakshmi at birth. Um, but so for me, I, I'm all about authenticity and the truth and the source. So my spirituality comes from my lineage, you know, which is thousands of years ago and, you know, sort of trickled down to me. And it's in my DNA, it's in my soul. But what's happening here in the West is people are getting a, a taste of spirituality, you know, a little bit of yoga, a little bit of meditation, a little bit of um, Vegan, uh, veganism. veganism, Ayurvedic, you know, and, and uh, a little bit of astrology. And then they think that they're, uh, you know, Buddha himself. Um, and they're not. It doesn't work that way. And they don't know the, you know, to be a real yogi, you not only have to practice yoga, but you have to be a vegetarian. You can't drink alcohol. Oh, God. You have to speak the truth. They don't do any of these things. Does that sound appealing, think- Matt? Any of that sound appealing to you? You got to have a lot of money for yoga classes, too. Well, that too. And it, what about oh, sex? What about sex? Uh, it, it's not forbidden, but, I mean, you can't just, uh, b- like, run rampant. You know, you have to, it has to be discerning. Tantric sex, like Sting, with yes. his wife for 36 hours? <laughs> Absolutely. I love Tantra. I'm a Tantric practitioner, so that is different. That's not the bullshit two-minute sex that people have here. Who can spend 36 hours with their wife alone? I don't understand. Well, 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 they're with the right person. Oh, they're having sex yeah. the whole time, I guess. So no, 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 not at all. It's what? a lot of uh, lot of foreplay. Hours. Oh, hours of foreplay. Yeah. Wow, you forgot us hooked. And, and the, then, then the actual yeah. thing. It sounds like soccer. No, and the actual act, it's not even the climax. It's leading up to, it's very different. The yeah. Is it sounds like it's really good for women, which and I applaud. But, no, no, uh, it's good for guys, too. Really? It's good for everyone. And I think a good man... Will can take her there, you know. He can. Yeah. Be, and I don't know any. No, I, I can put in a solid ten minutes <laughs> of foreplay. Well, you got to first of all, you no, have to no, have a, no. you have to have a lot of free time. You can you call in like sick to work, like. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to make it in today. <laughs> because I'm, I'm having a tantric I'm, session. I'm in the middle of a tantric yeah. session. <laughs> More of a morning. We're morning, about to reach uh, the, uh, the the chakra, one of the chakras here, and uh, so <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it, it, you got to admit, like being a yogi takes a lot of time. I mean, it right? doesn't take 36 hours, but it's it's the it, it's it could even be an hour, but it's the intention behind it. it it's with love, service, devotion, yes. and purity. Does the guy ever get really pissed off? Because I've had a couple instances. You ever be like you're about to, uh, you know, climax, climax, but then the chick's like, oh, I got to take this call. It's my boss. Fuck. Uh, and then you're like, oh, fuck. And you're just fucking angry. I feel like I'd be angry for 36 straight hours. Well, do you guys know this, that in real tantric sex, the man does not ejaculate. Hmm. He ejaculates. The more you so, talk about this, it sounds amazing. Yeah. Sounds like it would burn. <laughs> no, so he, he so she, he, his job is to give her multiple orgasms. And, okay. And he cannot have, well, he can have an orgasm, but there's no ejaculation, there's no semen, because that semen is very potent and powerful and regenerative. So he will instead of coming out, it actually goes back in and it totally rejuvenates his whole being. It's a horrible deal for the <laughs> no, guy. No, no, it's not. It's and not. It, because it's by the... What, no. What the so woman by, wants. No, 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 no. Who no. wrote this? You're, you're missing the point <laughs> of yeah, the... Yeah, Matt, come on. Open you're, your mind. You're missing the point about the semen being extremely uh, rejuvenating so uh, and powerful and potent. So what happens is she's had multiple orgasms. She's happy. He's taken it in and it's completely uh, you know, uh, recharged him. He's happy. He's creative. He's 
But if you look at the biological, if done properly, they're both in heaven. I think these foo-foo tantric people out here, they don't know what the hell they're doing. Well, you never have to half-ass. You, you know? never have to worry about your wife or girlfriend leaving you. Yeah, because I mean, <laughs> who, who can do exactly? Yes. I mean, she's who, not going to leave you for like the guy. Which other guy is going to give that to you? And and the other way too, you know. <laughs> yes. But the chemical breakdown of semen, it's it's basically just snot. Thank you, Matt. Uh, you know, it's, no, but, but well, it's not powerful. Well, well, it's no, reproductive it is. It's like a teaspoon. It smells like bleach. No, 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 no. It's not. Uh, it, you know a lot of things I don't know, man. <laughs> no, trust me. <laughs> the most powerful thing. I trust know. you, yeah. Preeti. Uh, but I would say, <laughs> I would say that's... Com- compared to like, if you, if on one end of the scale is like Harvey Weinstein, like <laughs> masturbating in a, in, a, in a plant. Sex, right? Next to a woman. Maybe he should come to me and I'll give him, uh, I'll this teach de- him. I'll... This definitely sounds great for women compared to what they're getting now. I will admit that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Now they're used like as, as a dumping ground. Yeah, know, now, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, that's, uh, that, that's, that's like, yeah, the and ladies of And then you're worried life. why, and, and he rolls over, and you, 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 you worried why relationships are breaking. Everyone's unhappy, un- everyone's unfulfilled. Totally agree, Matt. Would you agree this sounds great for women? E- wait, who's unfulfilled? What's the women no, I'm are. talking about the current, <laughs> like the bullshit, you know, the, the, the Western modern sex that people Yes, have. I agree it's, with this. The, I feel like someone's being used here, and no, neither is really flippant. No one's getting orgasms, you know. I think somewhere in the middle. I go for the middle ground, though. Somewhere between the 36 hours of, like, a, a, and, a and sweaty embrace yeah. and the five minutes and rolling over, is, the, <laughs> yeah. is that's the happy middle yeah, ground, Yeah, th- that's the, the divine bliss. Do you have to uh, do all the spiritual stuff before you get to the tantric sex, or you can jump right into that? It, it's not. It's a part of... Yes. I don't even know if it's uh, part of one of the spiritual limbs, like you know, meditation, yoga. They're they have their own set. Yes, uh, I think tantric sex is a part of uh, sacred sexuality. Okay. I would say. And, so there's and no cla- someone, there's no classes. N- there's no like black dog. Uh, no, you, you can take. Uh, I mean, the, you, I think it's something you don't do not want to do in a group. Although they are so many bullshit. Tantric workshop. Oh my God! Yes, yeah, so the where amount where of tantric the, where, workshops. Where are the, the bullshit tantric workshops? If I was so, I, I I can't believe I'm saying this, but I know this one person. I'm not going to take take his name, but he is a self-proclaimed tantric master. Oh, um, that's pretty a, American guy yeah. looks amazing, and he claims to have slept with three thousand women. Now he was hitting on me since I met him five years ago, and he always wanted to get me, you know, to come to his place, whatever. I never did, but then he had a documentary, and he was like. Oh, baby, um, I've slept with 3,000 women. You know, if you come to me, I'll show you the magic, you know. Like, you oh know that granola nice motherfucker's <laughs> got, like... But he was so attractive. <laughs> women would just, like... Yeah, oh he doesn't want to be 3,001. He's also got a clay. He's got in his cupboard, like, you know, this maple syrup totally gets rid of herpes. All you do... You know, I had it blessed by a Tibetan monk. You know, the, just a nasty granola It doesn't sound like a great social practice to yeah. be having sex it with them. It seems like every culture, you know, like, there's three lines throughout a culture, certain singularities. Like, every, every culture has, like, a, a bread or whatever, you know? Yes. Uh, and every culture has the same uh, idea of tantric sex, I think, with... Uh, white trash people, it's like whipped cream and cherries. Oh, God. That's you know, not tantric sex. <laughs> that's your tantric sex? That's the same idea. I mean, you can use sex. it in the practice. I like whipped cream. You always hear black guys saying, like, uh, yeah, I, f- I fuck for, like, 12 hours. Oh and you're just God. like, why? What fucking, what's the point? But, yeah, yeah, you know, exactly. it's, it does seem to be, like, every culture has the same sort of idea of, and I always A assumed it was experience. the guy just being like, I can... 
Well, well when you hear the hook, guy say it, it's like I did something for a long time, like he was in a fucking dance marathon or something. Like I lasted the longest. <laughs> I'm fucking awesome. Yeah. I want to yeah. binge watch on Netflix. I just can't commit to anything for more than 20 minutes. If you have ADD, <laughs> the tantric sex has to be just really tough. Yeah, but tantric se- sex could be the one thing to cure. Well, and that's heal true. You. I'll agree funny, with you on that. You know, yep. It's better yeah. better than Ritalin. Yes. Uh, since uh, we've now uh, taken your your tremendous and respectful spirituality down to the level yes. of a man having sex it's with whipped cream. And whipped cream <laughs> and cherries. Oh, my God. This is what we do here on the show. What have we come to? We've taken your thousands of year old spirituality. Bye. I totally... Hey, nothing I, wrong with whipped cream. I think I think anytime someone embraces a, a, a spirituality or religion, anything that's very peaceful and involves, like, finding cool things and having sex... It's probably better than any other religion I've ever heard of. So I'm not going to discredit you, even though Matt and I may not believe in all the past live stuff. That's okay. I can't, dispro- I can't disprove it, Matt. That's true. You cannot disprove it. What if your, like, DNA, your, your immediate history is just garbage? Like, you know, my family Most never people, owned slaves. Most garbage. <laughs> but, you know, there's, yes. there's nothing I'm ashamed of or anything. But I'm sure a lot of dudes I know, their family owns slaves. And a lot of uh, foreign people that come here, you know, are just oppressing the shit out of their own people back home. Fucking warlords and shit going to USC and all this. People are- uh, <laughs> well, the cycle continues, you know. I mean, you pay for it in this lifetime. If you yeah. were the slave owners in a past life, you'll find... It, the tables will turn in this lifetime, and you'll be bombarded with. So what about Matt? You know, uh, seems like it works out great for them, though. Matt's asking. It, it, yeah, but uh, maybe on the outside it does, but not yes. internally, and not karmically, you know. I want to talk about something that's going on in Hollywood okay. right now, Preeti, because now I feel like I know you a little bit yes. better. I like you better than Matt already. <laughs> uh, so Kit Harrington, the yes. guy, the Game of Thrones guy, gorgeous, a gorgeous uh, midget. Ah, uh, cute. <laughs> it was kind of weird when he got together with Amelia Clark this past season. Mm. And she was taller than he was in all the Aww. scenes. And she's like 5'7", and she's oh, still taller than he was. He, he's, he's a funny guy, actually. He's very humble about the fact. He's very self-aware of the fact that he's very short. Mm. So, But all Hollywood, you, you've met actors in I Hollywood. Know, most they're, stars are. They're all very, all very... He's uniquely short. And he plays a very oh. tough guy in the show, you know, a, ba- a battle-weary general. So the fact that he's like 5'6 is a little odd. Um, but so he, <laughs> he had this statement. He had to apologize. So what men are doing in Hollywood now after, after Harvey Weinstein... Is you're just apologizing for anything they can think of. Mm-hmm. No matter what they've done to a woman in the past or said something the least bit that could be taken out of, you know, as a, an offense or apologizing for in advance. So last year in an interview, he claimed that he felt he was a victim of sexism because whenever he's hot, he works out, he's got the six-pack, eight-pack abs. I have six-pack. He goes for eight-pack. Uh, when he goes to casting, they make him take his shirt off. All his roles are for hunky guys. And the, all the shows he's on, they ask him to do sex scenes and all the shows and Last season, he was doing bare ass and wow. topless scenes and stuff like that. And so he called that sexism. Mm-hmm. And now he had to come out and apologize because people said only women can experience sexism, which he agreed with. Uh, and he changed his mind. He's saying, I felt sexually objectified, but really only women can be victims of sexism. Is that utter total bullshit? Or do you agree with him that there's a difference between men and women when it comes to... I, I think he had no reason to apologize. If he was feeling uncomfortable, he has every right to, uh, to express that. And, you know, sexism is not limited to one sex. It's, you know, it doesn't say it's femaleism or maleism. It's sexism. And either gender can be subjected to that. So he had an experience of being objectified and he, it, it belittled his uh, acting credibility and his personality and wh- what else he has to offer. And uh, women get it all the time and some men do as well. So I think he had a taste of that. He didn't like it and he saw what was wrong with it and he spoke up. Good on him. But he di- didn't need to retract it, I think, because that takes away from the credibility. And I think what he said 
only women uh, face sexism. I don't think that's true. I think I don't think it's true yeah, either. Anyone can. Yes, Matt. It's How a, do you feel? It's as an as ignorant man. statement because, uh, as she just said, you know, the word is is to discriminate uh, against someone based on their sex, and you know, it happens to men all the time. Probably less so than women in in this society, but. You know, it's the same thing as saying that you can't be racist against white people. Mm. We'll try going you to fucking can. Chinatown in Vancouver, B.C. They'll treat you like shit. Really? Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I want to go there. No, you don't. They're assholes. I don't mind. They're total I'm in to it. But, um, but here's the thing. So, yeah, and by the way, he is like he is not just a fly-by-night hunky yeah. model. He's a classically trained actor. Yes. So he actually has worked on his craft, Absolutely. and now they're just making him do sex scenes in the movies. So he's getting a taste of, like, what women experience quite a bit in the show, especially when they're younger. He, when he's older and... More established, he'll probably pick the roles he wants to do. And if he doesn't want to be topless, he won't be but topless. But also, this is, this is Hollywood. This is the nature of, it, of the industry. I think when you sign up for this, you need to be very honest with yourself about what this industry is really about and uh, what are you okay with, what are your boundaries. And if it's too much for you, uh, you have to take a stand at some point. Yeah, there's, I mean, they're selling sex, right? Yes. And so uh, Mayim Bialik, Blossom, as Matt knows, there was Blossom. That was his favorite show as a child. <laughs> I was always parents let him watch. They wanted to raise a girl, um, a cute girl. <laughs> uh, she said in her New York Times piece that uh, women were partially to blame for the victimization in Hollywood because they're selling themselves as, as these sexy beings, as sexy yeah, objects. objects. Yeah. What, what and, do you expect? You and know? yeah, well, what do you expect? Wow, <laughs> that's harsh. That's a harsh. No, I, I think it's about uh, the energy and the vibe that you radiate. So if you're radi- if you go into an event radiating, I'm really easy, and I'm you know I'm really open. I'm uh, you, you know, it doesn't take a lot, whatever. You'll attract a lot of the scum, you know, but if you go Brian, in, are you listening to this? <laughs> That's the vibe Brian puts out. You go in, you're very, you're very elegant, you're very dignified, the way you uh, dress, the way you hold yourself, the way you uh, move. Yes. And those scumballs, scumbags, they're not going to even... I like scumballs better, by the because, way. Yeah, because... It feels the, more appropriate. I think it... It's, we're all energy. I'm going back to the spiritual thing. We're, we're all energy. It's all a vibration. So your frequency is so high that you're not even going to attract the low lives. Uh, so it, you raise your vibration. Well, pred- predators you know, definitely pick out they, they, these guys people like who seem- they deem as uh, slightly yes, weaker yes. that are going to fall for their. Uh, yeah, even, know, the lion, even the lions in the savannah, yep. they attack the weaker zebras, right. the ones that fall behind. They don't go for the strong ones. No. They go for the weak ones. And they, and the predators, they sexual predators, that, yeah. they spy the room and yeah. they see who they looks do. like a target. Yeah, and they go for it. Yeah. And it's not always a weak, it's not always a superficially weak-looking woman. Yeah. It can be someone that they know needs a job. Can easily be manipulated. Yeah, or really wants to roll in a movie and that will go for it because that's how they've become successful in their own sick little craft yeah. is by picking on the right people. So but it's... I mean, it's an abuse of power yeah, for no, Weinstein it's, it's okay. to, to do what he did. But on yeah. the other hand, um, you're an actress. Yes. There's a hundred other chicks that can do the exact same thing. Um, you know, this guy's offering a transaction. I'm not saying the more serious accusations, yep. but when he's saying, do you want to suck my dick? And you can, you know, have 10 lines in this movie. Mm. There's plenty of chicks that went, sure. And you could probably go through his IMDb page yep. and pick out who it was. Mm. Uh, simply look at their previous credits. And, and if nothing, their and first one role, is a yeah. big role in a Weinstein movie, guess what? She sucked his dick. So um, is that wrong? Is that an honest transaction? And if that woman did that, is she not complicit within the system and shouldn't uh, the next, you know, wave of outings be, 
Stop uh, doing that. Yeah, I jerked off Har- uh, Harvey Weinstein into a plant, and my name is Gwyneth Paltrow. <laughs> no, no, I, I like that. I yes. think the, you have to be honest. I think the uh, people are not talking about this one facet of this whole story, which is what about the group of women who are actually... Uh, consciously looking for these opportunities uh, and they do want to get ahead uh, by this is a, an express route you know to to the next step and they they do it they're they have they're proud of it they have no issues well it's true it's true Charlie's Honestly, it's, and they've been successful. Yeah. it's true Angelina in every Jolie. by the way it's true in uh every line of work that in the beginning pleasing, pleasing the boss whatever that means yeah. gets you ahead in any line of work you do it doesn't matter what field you're in if you're like if you're a kiss-ass that goes along and pleases the boss, you're generally going to get ahead of other people. If you're the guy who, like, compliments the boss or throws whatever, gives them nice presents or is, like, shows off whatever your skills and, you know, really make yourself known, you're going to get ahead generally in, in any line of work. In Hollywood, that involves sex, generally, yeah. well, because the, guy, the, guys are pre- the guys come to Hollywood to get, obtain that, right? And if you're, like, a guy like Harvey Weinstein, who probably was not very successful... In his, the ladies, in his, in his tantric know. sex offers to so. women, he, he gained power in life <laughs> and used funny. that power to yes. get these women who needed chances and take advantage of them. But they also le- allowed that to happen. And so I, I, I think, you know, I think Matt and I probably both agree, like, there's a to claim now you're a hero for coming out and like saying that happened to you and being applauded seems a little bit too much. It's a little I, too well, if much. you did it, how could you be a victim? Because that's right. If, if if you got something out of it, it's it's like if a chick fucked some weird Persian guy and he gave her an iPad mm-hmm. and that was the transaction and now she's like, oh, I've been, uh, you know, brutally abused yeah, yeah, because yeah. I fucked a guy for an iPad. It's like, you wanted the iPad. But, but you got what? it. Like, a new you iPad? It back. A brand new iPad? That's uh, some chick I know. <laughs> some guy for no, really? but it's true. I mean, this happened, so. An iPad. <laughs> I mean, harassment is not okay, but no. you know, it... it it happens in every industry, and it has always happened, and will sadly always continue. So both parties need. God, to, I so agree with. That. I so you know, agree with they, that. They need to, and I think women like some. I remember when I first came, moved to to LA, someone told me. You know, I met them in very briefly. They kind of figured me out. They said, you know what? It's going to take you, I think, a few years to really get a break in this industry because you're not going to screw anyone for a part. You're not that kind of girl. And I said. Uh, I don't mind if it how many years yes. it takes, but I want to be able to sleep well at night. I have my dignity intact, and this is the way I was raised. Good for you. I'm never going to sell out for for what some stupid role. Yeah, I'm sorry, but my self be self worth is much more. Do you feel? Do you, let me ask you an honest question. Do you feel like you're not hungry enough then to get to make it in this town? No, I'm not that uh, low. Yeah, that I would. Uh, stoop on my own values that I honor so much and the way I was raised you know I would never humiliate myself or my family by it just is, it goes against everything because there's like I don't I know believe. if you're familiar with like in, 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 in football professional football they find out all the guys are getting head injuries who play horrible head injuries like almost everyone who plays for many years so a number of guys start are starting to drop out and say look I don't care about the millions of dollars I don't want to have you know when I'm 40 years old I don't I want to re- remember my name but those seem to be guys from uh, backgrounds where they have other opportunities. Like, they're generally, well, better educated. They come from better families. Like, one of them is, like, left, and he's going to go to medical school, right? But that's not necessarily an option for a lot of these guys who grew up in very po- impoverished places. And for them, their families and everyone else is counting on the money and stuff like that. So I feel like in Hollywood, those women who come to do that are 
desperate in that sort of it's maybe a, they a, don't a gross, have too many options they don't yeah. in terms of what their dream is in their life yeah. they may have financial I think options they don't but realize the they sold out before they even got yeah, here they will do they, anything to maybe get maybe their acting chops were so incredible that they would have got there anyway you know if they had just given it a few more months or whatever but they don't have enough self belief I think so. They gave it up a little too easily. But they also go to. You must go to. Ca- you must go to casting calls. Matt goes to casting calls. Where he feels like a piece of meat. And you then you know, walk I, in. There's a hundred hot women right in there, and you're like, oh god, like what am I gonna do? But you, know? you can see who's got that. Uh, uh, you, you can tell. Like I go to so many, you know, casting things, and uh, people are always very respectful with me because that's not the way. I, it's not the vibe that I give. By the way, I know Harvey. I've met him really? several times. And all right, he's drum been, roll, Brian. Drum he's, roll. He's been Let's a hear gen- it. Let's he's, hear it. He's always been a gentleman to me. Really? But I think that's also in part with how I come across, and I've never had that desperate vibe, and I never. It's just not who I am, you know. Yeah. No, I think the way you, they've actually done studies and the way people hold their head when they're walking actually affects whether or not they're attacked by people. Like literally, people that lower their heads get attacked like ten times more often than people that walk with their heads up. Because your body language is already—it's a victim. You have a victim, victim, right. victim's life status. Is there anything else you want to tell us about Harvey Weinstein? No, I mean I, I've only—I've on. only had good, good experiences with him. I'm Thank sure some, God. Pe- some people have. You know, actually, in all the time that I've been here and, and I've met so many people, I mean, I see sleazy people, but with me, they're always respectful because I think they look at me and they're like, she's not that. E- she's a hard nut to crack. She's yes. not going to fall that easily. Yes, she's smarter than that. I'm wasting my time with her. Plus, I got to commit. I got to commit to 24 hours of foreplay. That's if, a lot. Of, if they're lucky, yeah, if they're lucky. in their no dreams, no maybe. One's, no one's gonna. Not many guys in certainly in Hollywood are gonna commit to that. Could I posit a question? Um, so, right now, there's a lot of uh, emphasis on how men are uh, uh, in positions of power are abusing it, and where this is leading is, you know, we need more women directors and we need more women in power. And if you look at Fortune 500 companies and, you know, especially academia and just in general, the corporate world, they're hiring much more women now mm-hmm. for senior positions because there is a disparity. Um, right now, there's a lot of men because they were hired in the 60s, 70s, 80s. Uh, 20 years from now, there will be the same disparity, but with women because they're just being hired at a much larger rate. So women by nature, I, see, I think all people are inherently awful and uh, seek self-preservation. I'm and, with them on that. That's my spirituality. You know, I mean, people are always going to be looking to take advantage of other people. Mm-hmm. Um, with guys, it's the Weinstein behavior and uh, even more brutal type shit. Women are much more conniving. Yeah. They are more competitive, cutthroat. I wonder don't how the, the women in charge are going to express this behavior. And I think it's kind of like, I just don't really like that guy. Fuck him. Uh, you know, he's, he's out. We'll never hire him. Uh, or uh, a lot of, mm, I don't know, like you, yeah. maybe you got to kiss their ass more uh, or they're having a bad day and they'll just uh, fire some guy for no fucking reason. Well, uh, uh, Preeti, you come from a, uh, ethically from a background, the yeah. subcontinent, where there have been female leaders. Yes. And a lot of them are really ruthless. Yeah. A lot of them are really. And, and they, by the way, those ruthless female leaders, uh, they've turned a lot of men and women off. Yeah. It's just not the kind of energy that people want to see. So we like to see a, a, a very strong, a fearless male leader to lead the country. Um, I mean, if the, the female has some kind of uh, nurturing quality to her and she's conscious, 
I love that. But if she's just ruthless for the sake of being, I, no, it turns Which me off. Which is odd, because I think that's that's to me what Hillary Clinton was. And, <laughs> women, and women were like, we have you're to not have bringing the feminine, you're just no, like another dude. There was know, no like, feminine side <laughs> to Hillary Clinton. And they're like, and women are like, we have to have a female president. Yeah. I'm like, I don't think you understand. She's yes. very pro-war. Yes. She's very hawkish. She's very self-interested. True. She's very mannish in her in her personality and characteristics and her ambitiousness and things like that. Even her wardrobe. Even her wardrobe. Even wearing male, you know, pantsuits. Yeah. She would just be like a guy. Another she was, guy. Yeah, she's no. potentially more masculine than Trump is. A guy with agree. a vagina. Yeah. A guy with a vagina. So we've heard. Uh, but yeah, women, I think my theory is that women, women and men are different. But you see women in Hollywood now that are very, in their 40s and 50s, very successful Single, and they are dating younger guys, oh, hot guys. Yeah. They're, li- they're going through guys like crazy. They're living in, like, sweet lives. The they're cougars. Doing, they're, yeah, the cougars. They're doing all the things that men in the same position are doing the minute they have the full power to do what they want. And it may not be as bad as Weinstein because maybe men are a little more piggish at the end of the spectrum. But they're certainly taking advantage of, like, I don't need to have a guy in my life. I can sleep around. I can live the high life. Other stuff. They're kind of like men when they get fully empowered. And I think maybe that's what you're talking about with and the fortune. And that's the problem. Yeah. You you can't lose the uh, your your in, innate qualities that you know the the God given qualities and what makes us different and what's beautiful about both of us. But women and are women are more nurturing. Women I would will say. do stuff like spread rumors and be like, "I'm going to try and ruin this other person." I mean, that the, that's what they do. You, you and know, guys yeah. murder each other. I'm you, not you saying know, one's you know. You know what worse the sad the thing other. sad thing about the, the female. Uh, uh, this is a, a, I think, a biological thing, but they turn on each other, and yes. men don't do that. Cat fights, you know? love them. Yeah, jealousy, and you know, they see a pretty young thing come in. Uh, no, I, she's not going to be hired. She will. She'll not. She's not going to get the job. By the way, I've seen that in I've seen that in Hollywood like crazy. Oh my god! So, like, like, like you know, you mentioned if there is if they're hiring more women twenty, thirty years from now, what's going to happen? The issue is they're they're just going to be self-defeating because although they're going to be women in power, they're not going to bring other women up with them. In fact, no. they'll be like, no, you are going to stay right where you are. Only I'm going to be at the top because we have the, you know we have that um, hunter gatherer mentality where i think you know in the cave days the women you know she she had to get the protector she had to get the guy she had to be the best and she was always very threatened by other females in the herd yeah so they want to be the they want to be the one they want to be the they one be the chosen and one. think about think about this yeah. among that set of women who rises to the top of a fortune 500 company the really ruthless ones right the ones that are a little more conniving a little smarter than the other ones because that's how they get ahead especially in an era when it's tougher for women to get ahead these are the women who have really honed their skill on their skills. Mm-hmm. These are nefarious. These are just they like have the guys. No are. Friends, nobody likes them. Yes. They're probably single. Yes, these no are like kids. the really rough women. And, so. and ironically, may have rubbed their tits in someone's face to get promoted in the first place. Maybe. See, have you seen those four? <laughs> maybe. But that's, maybe. How, that's how Hillary Clinton got to the top. I think she was like more ruthless than anybody else. Yeah. And maybe she had to be, but she certainly was that way. It wasn't like a a very effeminate no, like. No. Nurturing woman. Not is gonna, like Elizabeth Warren. Is not, yeah, so. well, just, She's she, much better that way. She, also, yeah, also nuts. But uh, Matt I love loves Elizabeth her. I know Warren. she does. But, yeah, but those women don't make it to the top because they're they not willing should, to, they're they're not willing they to kill people. Future, <laughs> Someone has to give the order to kill. That kind of, you know, this is hilarious, but I was appointed um, a board member of this international peace organization run by 10 African American women, we never got shit done because every meeting, these women, there was it was so bitchy. I mean, this is an <laughs> organization about peace. All they did was bitch and yeah, oh, yes. I had I, I had to drop out, and now it's obsolete. But I'm like, 
You no. Yeah, my I wife, wish there my was wife, a guy my, prison. My wife know? always says she couldn't live with female roommates because it was just impossible. It was just impossible. Gay roommates are the best. Gay roommates. <laughs> They're the best. <laughs> That's why my mass roommate loves him. <laughs> so yeah, you can't have five women living in a small no, no, confines they, together. Steal the makeup. And oh, they're just, fighting, just constant steal, fighting. Steal your boyfriend too. Yeah, guys will just get drunk once in a while and yeah. punch each other, but they <laughs> don't do that. I've always had male uh, roommates, and I much prefer it. Matt? I have never. Uh, I I did live with uh, female roommates once, and uh, that was fine. But I was the only guy, so I think there was sort of a, a sort of a com- competitive aspect Ooh. to it. They also said one of them said I wouldn't have to do any chores if I performed oral sex oh on. Why? Wow, you're like Kit Harrington in That's so sexism. many ways. Yeah. <laughs> so many ways. Do you want to file a statement now, or, do, or what? Did you me too? Hashtag me too. That was great. Yes, that's not, that's not how the hashtag works. You sold works. out. Uh, Preeti, let me ask you, where can we hear you, find you, and, and everything else? Where? So you can look me up. I'm all over social media, everywhere. My name, I'll spell it for you. It's P-R-E-I-T-Y. And the last name is U-P-A-L-A. Uh, Facebook, Instagram is P-R-E-I-T-Y-U. And I have my own YouTube channel. Just type in my name. You'll see it. I have my own spiritual radio show called The Eternal Hour. can be heard on UBN, which is Universal Broadcasting Network. Uh, just Google it. And just please keep in touch. That is amazing. Now, you called yourself a world citizen? I'm an international citizen, and I'm a global brand ambassador. How do you get to be? I want to be a global brand ambassador, but I don't like to travel. What's your brand? <laughs> I don't like brands. <laughs> And I have no ambassadorial skills. You know, I, I, I travel a lot. I go through customs. You seem like you have all those, by the way. I, I go through immigration, and people are like, they look at my passport. They're like, you've been to all these. They give me a dirty look. Like, what do you do for work? And I'm like, excuse me, I'm an international beauty queen. And they're like, oh, oh okay, go right do you through. Get, do you get profiled for, like, Never. Terror? No. I, was tr- I have a conversation about this with someone, actually, just late last night. Uh, and my friend is Indian, and he's a Muslim. Um, he doesn't get... Uh, profile because he has an American accent. So for some reason, and his name is not very Arabic sounding or whatever, he just doesn't fit the bill. And I was telling him, uh, in my whole life, I've been to 60 countries, been to hundreds of airports, on so many planes, gone through so many immigration desks. Not even once did, they just do, uh, they just never did. And my friend was like, you know why? It's your attitude. It's the way that, you know, you look at them when they ask you a question. Uh, You're very confident. You're fearless. You give them the answer. You're not fumbling. You're not looking around. And they're like, oh, she's not lying. Also, you're a beauty queen. And beauty queens have not yet to commit a terrorist act. That's I bet true. most terrorists. <laughs> you yet to be a beauty queen terrorist. <laughs> well, That's they, a great headline, you know, though. She smells nice. Like, of all the things they profile, like, I bet terrorists, like ISIS dudes, have fucking awful B.O. You think like, so? I it bet smell you like hummus or something. Just sweaty. Well, <laughs> you don't think they, like, if they're going to commit an act, they, like, try to blend a little bit more? They should. You think uh, they walk to their airport like a saber and like a thirty-day bo, a thirty-day bo? No, I, this isn't Ocean's Eleven. Yeah. I don't think the ISIS dude throws on a fucking Calvin Klein Woo-hoo. suit and snows anyone. No, those guys are weirdos. Well, man. you know the, I mean the the nine eleven terrorists were at a strip club like the, you know the day before, oh. like spending money and making it rain. Mm. So they were on cut. They were and they they called it their cover story. Yeah, they weren't doing that to blend. No, in. but I'm saying they did blend. They did. They blend wanted in. to see a vagina for the first time in their lives before they. They probably weren't. No, not was their first hundred percent sure about. 
about yeah. this whole yeah. eternal <laughs> life thing. No, Maybe ninety nine percent sure. You know, just in case. Just in case we don't get to the seventy two virgins when I die. I wonder Let what. Me see one now. I wonder what happens to the seventy two virgins when they're no longer but virgins. What are they going to do with you? <laughs> Who they, takes care of those they're girls? They're all virgins. What What are they going to do? They They don't know what. I to want do the seventy two virgins after they're no longer virgins. What do they happen when they're no longer virgins? They're in hell. I yeah. want a they're daisy chain of the no, so That's why you're right. So you, you want to go to hell? Those, yeah. Talk about religions uh, not being very kind to the female gender. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, it, like, it, what, it, what, it, you get to go, if you kill yourself, you get to go to heaven and be with yes. 72 virgins. And you, lady, you get to be what the virgin. What if you're a female jihadist, you yeah, know? yeah, when you're raped, you get, you get to go shit. to hell. <laughs> like, for being a, very, very uh, sexist. It is very yeah, sexist. Yeah. Although they are starting to allow female suicide bombers, which I thought was very progressive. So it's a very nice thing. Preeti, you've been fantastic today. Uh, totally unexpected. Uh, you had a very sensible point of view. We always like women to come on to totally disagree with us when they're wrong, totally wrong. But you seem to like have a very, I think it's because you travel. People who, the world, people, the world, the word wordly, yes. worldly, people overuse a lot. You've actually been to like all over the world. And even if you travel in the U.S. a lot or just travel around the world, I think you do gain a different perspective on life than when you live in, like, Brentwood or the <laughs> west side of L.A. and occasionally visit Manhattan for shopping Woo-hoo. and have a very different... I'm going to Manhattan this weekend for shopping. So Are you? Well, that's go. okay, too. But you've been to, you've been to other <laughs> yes. places. So uh, thank you so much for being on Last Man on Earth podcast. You were fantastic. Cool. Thank you. Namaste. Thank you. Matt, any last tantric comments? No. Was- any last semen, any semen, <laughs> semen, uh, semen, jokes. semen jokes or uh, substance uh, comparisons you want to give us? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe next, if you come back, we can go further into the whipped cream thing because I, I just wasn't expecting that to be embraced so, uh, so enthusiastically. So St- St- Sting's real name is Gordon. His first name is Gordon. And uh, so imagine a guy named Gordon who goes two minutes in the sack versus a guy named Sting who goes like 36 hours. Mm. He, he upped his which game. Which one do you want? He upped his game a lot. He upped his game. Blonde hair, the bleach blonde hair. Yep. Plays, plays guitar song, plays songs of guitar. He calls himself Sting and, and go 36 hours in bed. I love it. Yeah, no wonder he had no trouble finding women. Pretty, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. Yes, thanks. Matt, we got an email from Reed. Reed sounds like you. It could be you. With that, uh, Agent Tyler Grasham being outed for his gay young male parties and harassment. When are we finally going to blow the, the, the lid off, cap off, the gay mafia in Hollywood? It should have said lid off for gay mafia. It would have been a better joke. Uh, there is, people don't understand, I don't think, the, the gay, how the gay mafia in Hollywood works and the power it wields. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about this and the fact that, and this is something you've mentioned before, which is that one of the reasons sexual, sexual exploit, ex, exploiters and abusers and harassers in Hollywood, straight, even straight ones, get away with a lot of their shit and sexual perversions like Polanski and shit like that, the reason they don't want to judge is because a large percentage of Hollywood, either on the down low or openly, is gay. And gay people, as as a holistic approach to life, do not want sex to be judged in any manner Mm -hmm. because they've historically been abused and discriminated against for their sexuality, which makes sense. I mean, Hollywood, think about it, only 30 years ago, you were basically punished for being gay, uh, if you were openly gay, for sure. I mean, Rock Hudson, all those guys had to be un- underground gay because you would not get work. And also, also every show was about making fun of gay people. Watch yeah. Three's companies. <laughs> Watch Three's Company sometime for a good zeitgeist of, like, 1980. Yeah. When, well, like, every joke uh, was a gay buffoon joke, right? <laughs> like Jack, Jack was pretending to be gay and how funny that was. Yeah, that was a weird show. I never watched it. But it hasn't changed that much. I mean, acting is one of the gayer professions on earth. And I, there's, what, one or two openly gay actors? Oh, yeah. There have always been gay people in Hollywood for, forever and whatever. But, but even now. But it's even like, 30 years ago, they were like openly, like you were expected as a gay, probably under like a down low gay writer to make fun of gay people on TV shows. 
That right. was like what you did. It's changed a lot. So there was a time when gays were definitely discriminated against in Hollywood, openly gay men. There were none, just zero. Um, but because of that, they've created this whole thing where, like, we're going to protect ourselves, right? And by having these, we're going to become very important gay executives and gay whatever, and we're going to enforce these sort of social rules, and we're not going to judge anybody. And of that, I think, comes this guy like Tyler Grasham, who's an agent, who, like, maybe a, a famous director who's directed... Uh, comic book movies before. His name sounds like Ryan. <laughs> but actually, actually, he's a lot closer to our audio engineer's name. Uh, has these parties around town where he invites lots of young twinks and young gay men, either aspirational or just rent boys, to parties and has these sort of sex pool parties with, like, young men. Um, and it's never reported about, by the way, in the papers, right? You'll never see a story. You'll see a story about philandering men. And, I mean, straight men in Hollywood and all the women they're sleeping with. You'll see DiCaprio stories, right? He's sleeping with a new model this month or Bradley Cooper or, you know, whatever. Some guy is, like, getting around. Even, like, David Spade getting around with different girls. Mm-hmm. You'll never see that same story about a gay, the gay equivalent of those guys. Is Brian Singer and his Oh, you, may, you mentioned the name. His crew of people, are they still doing that with the underage kids? Well, there's mm-hmm. never been – I don't think there's ever been any – there's been rumors. I don't think. I think he's careful about the age thing. Yeah. This guy Tyler Grasham actually started hitting on 16 and 17 year olds to, at his parties. Boys. Yeah, boys. So, but it was covered up for years. I mean, so it was like Weinstein, but even more so. I think. I think like the. I think there's no equipment. If you look at the gossip columns, it's all about flattering men, right? There's lots of stories about men with all their female conquests in Hollywood. Celebrities, mm-hmm. George Clooney, all his girlfriends, and DiCaprio, whatever Victoria's Secret model he's, he's banging this month, right? But you never see these stories about the gay equivalent of those guys. And there are guys in Hollywood who are gay and also philandering mm-hmm. and also sleep with lots of hot young flesh, right? Right. But you'll never, see story, you'll never see gossip column stories about those people. It's always, I think the writers are just afraid to bring that subject up. That's true. And you don't really see stories about the uh, abuse claims as much either. No. I mean, you know, uh, Corey Feldman has been... I mean, he's really been railing about this for a long time. He might end up being like a, a fucking hero. I honestly think Corey Feldman, to me, is the Jose Canseco of, like, Hollywood. <laughs> Jose Canseco was a, a unliked roid freak who came out and said that there was, in ni- like, mid-'90s with his book and said, by the way, all your big athletes, all your big players are taking roids and accused everybody. And he was immediately backlash and talked about how, what, a, what an idiot he was. He was trying to sell books. Nobody liked him. He was a loser. All that shit. And then, of course, within a few years, about five or seven years later, pretty much every single name in his book was vindicated mm-hmm. as having been a big steroid junkie. And that's Feldman, too. He, you know, he was talking about all the, the, the child molestation, the male-on-male especially, in Hollywood. And you're right. He's going to be vindicated. I think we can tell a lot about who wields power and influence in society based on who we sympathize with. So now every actress who hit on, uh, was hit on by Harvey Weinstein has this sob story, and she's a huge victim. And, uh, you know, there's, I mean, by the dozen, there's all these, these stories about these women and their, and their terrible experience. But, you know, there's been quality reporting on this. I believe it was the New York Times, and there's a documentary uh, that I watched about this uh, topic. But, you know, these kids who were getting raped in Hollywood, and they don't, they don't have the sympathy uh, story in the New York Post, you know? No. Well, kid, I mean... There's a couple reasons. One, kids have no, they have no power. They have no, literally no power. They, the most, right. So the people in power, you know, dictate who, I mean, they don't, uh, who, they don't who have, gets the sympathy. Those kids don't even have Twitter accounts. They can't even go on Twitter. <laughs> I mean, they're too young for like that stuff. They have no, not only are they no name at the time, 
but their parent and their parents are pushing them towards these predators, right? Mm-hmm. And so they're stuck in a really, really, really bad. They're basically prosti- they're basically young prostitutes, right? So I mean, how much do young prostitutes complain about the shit they're pushed into? Probably not a lot, uh, because there's actually nobody that can, nowhere they can go to talk about that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but specifically, you don't see men. You don't. So like Terry Crews told the story about how the studio guy grabbed his package. And everyone laughed it off, right? Because it was it, your instinct is to laugh. I about laughed that when he said he had PTSD. Well, that was ridiculous. <laughs> but he was basically t- he was basically telling the same story a woman would tell with the same outcome, PTSD. Mm-hmm. But he's a guy, so we laughed off because guys aren't supposed to be affected by that stuff. And these gay male stories, I got to say, they're mostly they're young guys. And if you're 16, 17, that's completely inappropriate. But they're young guys who are like going to party at these places. They get drunk. Because I asked you in this uh, Skype the other night how a man rapes another man. <laughs> Because I'm not exactly because they keep saying he raped them. I'm not exactly sure how that happens. No, you, you roofie him. You, well, no, but if they were yes, if they were, you con- get them to drink because they're not as experienced with alcohol and drugs. If they're unconscious, for sure. But how you how a conscious man can rape another conscious man? I don't think it. I don't think when they say rape, they don't mean like penetration. Because I don't think that's actually possible. I don't think that's really possible unless you're talking mm. about like a gang rape in prison or something. Yeah, I think it's more you get them real fucked up and, you know, fool around with them. Yes, and so this guy, Tyler Grasham, was doing this for years. He was an agent at APA agency. And by the way, he was tasked with finding young male talent. Of course. <laughs> so that's like, like did, I, did I show you the article about the Girl Scout troop leader? No. There was a guy in Maryland who was arrested for uh, whatever, child porn and, and fondling girls or whatever like that. And he was a Girl Scout volunteer. <laughs> Oh, that that yeah. just should not be permitted. Red, red, no red flags there. No red flags there. He was. They made him. They made him have, find a female partner to be a troop leader because they would not let a, a man alone with the female troop. Oh <laughs> like what guy? What guy? Was that not the biggest red flag ever? When a guy goes like, "I'll volunteer to be a Girl Scout troop what leader." What are these parents thinking? Uh, it's just it's uh, the oddest thing. Uh, so gra- so here's the thing: is there like a, there is a uh, just affirm there is a gay mafia in Hollywood? And they keep this shit. The male male stuff under wraps like nothing else. And the guys are still working. And I just don't know how the tide turns so fast. So, what was it, 2011, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Polanski wins Best Director. Yeah. Nominated by the Academy. Meryl Streep is on her feet applauding. It's common knowledge he drugged and raped a 13 or 14-year-old Well, he, he admitted girl. to it, yeah. And, you know, it's, it's, there's court documents proving it. Why did no one care about this 13, 14-year-old girl? But, but we're supposed to feel so sorry for this actress who got hit on by Harvey Weinstein in a hotel room? Fuck you. Nobody cares about, and this actually is one of my uh, pet peeves. No one cares about, like t- two weeks ago, no one cared about this shit. So I pulled up a picture of uh, Ben Affleck and Matt Damon doing their promo for Suburbicon. They were doing a promotional uh, junket. And they're like guffawing and laughing, whatever else it is. That was like two weeks before Weinstein. And then they did a Gordon Morning America piece uh, over the weekend. Uh, on Friday, Michael Strahan interviewed them, puff piece. And uh, they, had, they put on sour, like, serious stoic yeah. face. And it's like, to the, to the same thing, it's like they're actors, right? They're just actors. So they have happy, giddy face. This movie's great. And then afterwards, they have, like, we didn't, Harvey, what does happen to women in Hollywood is horrible. They had sad face, like sad, contemplative, like, castigated face. Mm-hmm. They're just phonies. I mean, they're just phonies, right? They're just, like... They all knew about this shit. Matt Damon's like, I didn't, you know, Ben Affleck had told Matt Damon that, that the story, Ben Affleck dated Gwyneth Paltrow after Harvey Weinstein had tried to, tried to massage, get her to massage him in a hotel room. Oh, the horror. Yeah, right. Well, whatever. But he had told him that. And so Matt Damon said, I didn't know this shit. Matt Damon's career was made by Harvey. If you look at one actor whose career was made by Harvey Weinstein, 
Yeah. Uh, it was Matt Damon. Right. He gave him the three-picture deal when he was like a no, literally almost nobody, uh, uh, and he made him a huge star, right? And so, of course, I mean, that's a, these guys have all made deals with the devil. They're not going to talk shit about this stuff. Um, but I think the gay stuff is a double standard still. There is no – reporters don't want to talk about this shit. It gets shut down. I mean, when you say mafia, you know, I'm not real prone to uh, vast conspiracies, but it, oh, it does seem bullshit. I'm gonna put the bullshit, bullshit. It right. seems that this has been, um, you know, silenced and successfully so. Oh, it totally silenced. And so now he's, it took a guy on Twitter, on Facebook, of course, after eight or ten years to come out with the story. And then, of course, like five other guys came out with the same story about the same agent. So it's really kind of gross. And then they fact. The agency has to pretend they didn't know what was going on. Of course they knew what was going on. If there's but one other gay guy in the agency, then mm-hmm. he was probably invited to the party, the pool parties, and he knows exactly what's going on. So are we going to have another of this thing where now we're calling out various men who have sexually harassed women? Is, is there going to be one of these? Because I'd like to know there will not be one who was at these parties. And no. we know a few. The director of Greece, I can't remember his name. We need a board so I can, uh, so my memory. There will, not, I can there will not be the same level of concern for the guys as there is for the girls. And the gay stuff specifically will be squelched a lot more. Because reporters don't want to cover that. They just don't. They work, they work in an environment where they don't want to out bad gay behavior. So what does that say about our society? You, you can molest boys with impunity, uh, but you cannot harass women. Well, criminally you can't, but I'm talking about the press and the media. And well, the, in the, the eyes it, of the, the media. Co- yeah. No, basically, yes. There's, there's certain topics you can do and certain topics you can't do. And there's certain protected topics and there's certain unprotected topics. I mean, people look at Fox News and how they protect whatever the fuck Trump does. It is sort of a similar analogous to the way Hollywood protects certain classes of people, I think. It just roots only roots them and when there's negative news they just they put it they push it aside. Matt, Cisco has an email uh, regarding the, the day you've been I think waiting for your entire life. The first tranny mo- tranny Playboy playmates. You know, all those people that said Playboy had lost its way yes. and that it was irrelevant now <laughs> and that they were throwing shit against the wall to see what would stick. Those people were right. Uh, Cisco, Cisco wants to know, Playboy's got a dude with tits for their next magazine cover. Is it just entirely over for male entertainment? Let's talk about, let's go beyond Playboy because I think this is, first of all, by the way, this is the first issue since Hef died. This is the son's, the son, the son, the prodigal son's first issue. And the first thing he does, he did, he did two things in the magazine. He did a huge retrospective on his father, his legacy of his father, very nice. And he put a tranny, put a tranny, tranny playmate for the first time. What a pussy. He couldn't do it while his dad was still alive. No. Well, his dad, I mean, his dad probably would have vetoed it, I assume. He probably was vetoing it for a while. Is he probably, and, and also, it's like, so the, he's got his son. So, by the way. Here's the thing about your legacy and your, uh, when you pass on the family farm to somebody. So I, I respect Jerry Lewis because Jerry Lewis looked at the kids he made with, like, hot women. He made a, kids with a bunch of women. And the ones he made with, like, hot models, he just gave, gave no money to. <laughs> so, and the smarter ones, the ones he knew were inherently smarter, he gave his, he gave his fortune on to. Hmm. Like, Hefner had a bunch of kids, right? But he gave, his, he gave the, 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 the magazine to his son he had by a Playboy Playmate, like, in the early 90s. I didn't know that. Yeah. So, inherently, let's figure the dumbest, the dumb, the dumbest one. Probably. The, the prettiest one and the, and the dumbest one. And he's a millennial. He's, like, 26 years old, and he's a millennial. So, he always, like, even before he took over, when his dad started dying, he started doing all this anti-Trump stuff. He started doing all this other stuff to be fit in with the millennials. I assume he goes to, like, vegan places on Melrose with all the celebrity kids, and he's in that milieu of, of uh, sort of progressive stuff like that. 
So his first idea was like, how cool is it going to be to revive this magazine by fitting in with my younger crowd by putting a tranny model on the front? Which is like, and by the way, that works for Vogue, that works for Elle, that works for all the women's magazines. They've all done it, and it's worked very well for them. And Caitlyn Jenner worked very well for a lot of people, too. But that was for their, audi- that was for their audience. I mean, you're now assuming the Playboy audience is a bunch of young, progressive hipster males. Mm-hmm. Why would young, progressive hipster males be interested in Playboy at all in the first place? I don't think they are. And B, are they going to come? O- are they going to suddenly rush over to Playboy from uh, leave their current ma- periodicals and rush over to Playboy? Is anyone still reading it? Like, I, what are their sales? Are, are they in like the triple digits? By well, now? internationally, they still do pretty well internationally. Just because, like, if you're in Saudi Arabia, it's still a cool, ma- it's still a cool magazine. Uh, they're a little behind the times. It's, China, it's still a cool magazine. Uh, they make most of their money from licensing their name overseas. Yeah, the logo so, and yeah, the logo and the, the clubs and the, whatever else they do and the products and sex products, sex toys and stuff like that. Uh, but it, domestically, they've been dying pretty well. And they try to revive their online first by getting rid of naked women, and now having a naked man with breasts on the so cover. So they they put the clothes back on and now they took them off again. Yeah, they're naked. They're doing, but they're doing tasteful nudity now. So it means that most of the pictures are not nude, and there's a few. Sort of. It nude was always photos. pretty tasteful, though, really? wasn't it? No. Playboy. Well, it, it was, was in penthouse where chicks no. were spreading. No, their... it wasn't the beaver hunt. There was no beaver <laughs> hunt. But it was full nude, and there were. It was gloss. It was photoshopped and it glossy. It was a uh, bush. A lot of bush. There was a lot of bush, and it was glossy. And the light would come through the bush. <laughs> yes. To kind of light. Like you ever see, What's the the Bob Dylan cover where the head's behind <laughs> yes. his jufro? The the light is behind his jufro. Yes. And it's shining through. Is uh, that what you think about when you see a lady's bush? You don't see a lady's bush anymore. <laughs> No. Too young, you missed that. You missed that. You missed that part of life. So I, 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 I respect the bush. You used to have to guys used to have to work a little bit. No work, no work anymore. Yeah, it was those. Are, those are the good old days, and that's what Playboy did. Uh, but is it's a larger question? I think uh, Cisco is asking is is male entertainment just dead? Well, Playboy is dead. I, I don't know that male. Well, sport. We just talked about ESPN earlier. We talked about. I mean, sports being. Uh, you know, be, is that adulterated now? Is there anything purely left for guys? I mean, Barstool Sports. I guess is a, is a character caricature of that. I mean, culture is definitely leaning at the moment towards a more feminist uh, aesthetic. I think, but yeah, I mean, you're putting a. Here's the thing about transsexuals. It's obviously it's fine. No one's saying you shouldn't be able to buy your way into a new identity, but. Uh, it's not a woman. It's no. a dude um, with, with tits and possibly a, a, a vagina that it's, it's been constructed surgically. Um, the guys that like the tits, uh, for the most part, and there are plenty of guys that are into uh, transsexuals, but that's a minority, um, they're, they're not going to be excited to see that. No, it's a, it's a, it's a gender-bending, uh, I'm a millennial new editor of this magazine, look at me, I'm progressive, and we're doing this. Like, when, when Hefner was ground, when his dad was groundbreaking, he got Marilyn Monroe naked, right? Mm-hmm. Which every man in America wanted to see. Every single man in America wanted to see that. Now he's got, his groundbreaking thing is I'm going to have a tranny model where maybe, I don't know, 4% of the men in the country want to see that. That's a really good point. The equivalent to this day would be if uh, Jennifer Lawrence or uh, I'm sure... The problem is everyone's seen all these women naked yes. now. But back in the 50s, that was, I mean, that was like... If they had Jessica Alba doing a tasteful nude shoot, that would sell a lot of magazines. And that's kind of the equivalent of what happened, right? Well, it's hard to put it in context nowadays because, like you said, everyone's seen everybody naked. 
Back then, no one had ever seen a, a legitimate actress naked before. Mm-hmm. It was like the first, I mean, it was the first time anyone had seen like a, a, a movie star naked. So and really the equivalent would be Alba blowing a guy. <laughs> like in full frontal, full lighting. I think the equivalent would be, uh, I don't know, I can't even think of it. A military equivalent would be see like fucking a president like Obama naked or something. <laughs> Michelle Obama naked would be the equivalent. Mm, okay. I'd watch that. I'd look at that. Uh, but here's, a, here's my theory. I think all the last 10 years or so, we've lost male, male entertainment as we know it. Not only the magazines have all gone away. Actually, I think still publishes, but they're fucking lame. All the Playboy, all the other magazines. Think about going to Barnes Nobles like 15 years ago and what you did and didn't pay for magazines, but perused, mm-hmm. perused everything. There were like a ton of male magazines. Yeah. They're all, go- all gone now. There are still, everyone's talking about the death of like magazines. All the female magazines are still there. They're all still there. Well, because guys will look at uh, look at boobs, but then they're not like, oh, I need to buy this beef jerky that was in the because you know women well they won't just- buy yeah there's an advertising angle but they did like the con the guys like the car con auto content the 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 male you know some of them like the style content some of them like the sports content some of them like the you know traditionally male topics type of stuff the muscle and fitness topics mm-hmm. you know where to get your andro andro. Uh, so why like, are the women's magazines still they're, – they're succeeding at a greater rate. They're more profitable, right? I think it's uh, – they're definitely more profitable, and they sell a lot more uh, uh, advertising. But I think it's also the culture changed a lot. And mm-hmm. there's, definitely, there's definitely been an anti-male, traditional male culture thing going on in mainstream. So in mainstream. the new men's magazine is like uh, – on the cover is Kaepernick kneeling, and then it's like – how to impress the chick at book club. Right? <laughs> well, I saw Ask, Ask, was it Ask Man? I think it was Ask Man did a video of like where they interviewed like a, one of the top Formula One drivers in the world. I forget what it was. And it was a five minute video and there was no driving. <laughs> <laughs> there was, they asked him about like all sorts of like human interest questions. Mm-hmm. And literally the one, I, I clicked on the one thing I wanted to see was like, what it would be like to be going 220 miles an hour in a car yeah. with other cars smashing into you. No, no it's like like how to bake that dessert <laughs> that will get her hot and ready. How's your relationship suffer when you travel the globe, like, and you're, whatever? It was just, it was, I'm like, ask men. Why, why, why are you asking men that? You can ask women that same question. <laughs> but my theory is that men's entertainment, we've lost everything but from PG, PG-13R has gone away. And what we're left with in mainstream, in mainstream media is G and porn. Mm-hmm. So if you want male entertainment now, it's all pornography. It's basically all hardcore. It's all sex. I mean, it's all pornography. There is no more, like, R-rated content where it's, like, smartly done. There's no National Lampoon anymore. Even Playboy did it really well for a while. Uh, you know, a Spy. There's, there's no like, magazines for like, Maxim for a while. Did a good job. Rolling Stone, even lots of stuff. There's no, like, adult content for guys that's not purely porn- pornography. Mm-hmm. We've lost that. That whole market's just gone away. So we have family entertainment and we have pornography. And there's nothing mainstream in between. And look at look at the rise of mixed martial arts. I mean, that's essentially X-rated sports, right? It's like, uh, you know, we're we're just desperate for some sort of primal fucking uh, combat just to get back to what dudes are. You know, they're aggressive. I, I mean, MMA has been around for a long time. It wasn't popular until ten years ago. Where would you find? Where would you go to find like smart adult humor? MattRalston.net. Nice plug. I like that. Uh, <laughs> where would I? <sighs> mainstream, in a main, like a mainstream channel, a show, whatever. I mean, there's still some pretty good raunchy comedies being made. There's some good stuff on pre- there's some good stuff on premium cable. Like Todd Phillips. Uh, if you go, if you go to the pay channels, 
where it's premium and it's a niche audience, you find a lot more like Louis C.K. stuff or things like that. Yeah. But you don't find any of that in mainstream. There's none of that say, in mainstream. Like, comedy, yeah, Dave Chappelle, Chris Rock. Uh, you have to go to the, hard, the HBO for that stuff. Yeah, in terms of what's on TV. I don't know I'm talking about just swearing and stuff like that. I'm just talking about like intelligent, intelligent yeah. juvenile humor. Right. Intelligent, satirical, male-focused humor. It's all, it's all gone, basically. Yeah, I mean, Phillips, you know, he, I was a big fan of those, those movies, those 90s movies, like American Pie, just super raunchy, you yeah. know, over-the-top, ridiculous. Uh, even the Farrelly brothers and, uh, and Phillips, who did Road Trip and uh, what was the other one? A bunch of raunchy comedies yeah. with boobs, uh, old-school. Animal House-style movies. Lots of boobs. Yeah. And his latest movie was a war movie with Jonah Hill. I was like, okay, I mean, that's that's cool, I guess. But I, I kind of want to just see a frat house movie with boobs. Male and entertainment. Where is, is that? That's not coming out anytime soon. That'll nope. probably never come out no. again. And if it does, it goes to some sort of, uh, it's going to go to somewhere on one of the pay channels I have that has no good movies. Yeah. All right, for our final segment today, Matt, I want to talk about a woman you've lost it for a long time, Kate Del Castillo. I'm totally mispronouncing her name. You have a Mexican girlfriend. You can take a shot at it if you like. Thank you. Isn't that Kate Del Castillo? I don't know. We're, <laughs> we're both wrong. I'd ask Brian, but it would get even worse. It get, it would get, we, we, we were going progressively gringo. It would get even more gringo. She's uh, a real piece of work. So huh? she's a Mexican. What, what, how would you call her? Actress? Kind of a telenovela. Yeah, TV, like hot. She lives in the United States. She's a Mexican citizen. She lives in the U.S., and she's on a lot of Mexican-American programming. She never quite made it into mainstream Actress, you know, a successful American English language. Actress. No, never made an English language, uh, but she was but smoking a, hot, pretty hot. And among her many talents, uh, El Chapo wanted to fuck her. The drug lord El Chapo really badly wanted to fuck her. Yeah, El Chapo. See, dudes in Mexico watch those soap operas. Yes, they do. Which is weird to me. Well, have you ever watched those? those soap operas? Have all the hot women are in those soap operas? Oh, you're saying that's why they watch them? Well, the best looking women on television in, Mex- in entertainment in Mexico are on soap operas. Right, they're not the old hags. Like it's not the old hags like they have here. They're like seventy, playing like forty year olds, like having lo- having <laughs> sex affairs. It's not that it, they actually get like their 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 versions of hot actresses because I don't think their movies make a lot of money because of the, uh, the limited audience for their movies. Yeah. So I think their telenovelas make the most money. So that's where like all the playmate st- playmate the level quality of production is. Awful. Doesn't I mean, matter. Why Doesn't can't? Matter. Why, not, why not just watch American movies with subtitles? And those those shows not only air in Mexico, obviously, but they air all over Latin America and in the United States. They have massive audience for those telenovelas. Yeah, I know you're. That's you, part of the reason that there are, you know, there's a small disparity with Latino actors because you know Latino people mostly watch that type of shit. So she uh, got so Sean Penn wanted to do this thing for Rolling Stone two years ago, where he was going to interview El Chapo because Sean Penn, I think I, Sean Penn strikes me as a guy who does a lot of. A lot of testosterone injections, and also is really bored. <laughs> like he really fancies himself like the Hunter S. Thompson or, or with the, muscles, with big muscles. You know the the outlaw rogue dude. You know he's he probably does have a lot of testosterone, be it natural or uh, injected, because he he does the type of shit. He's a, mad, he's a bit of a madman. He's a madman. He's always been angry. He's always been an angry guy. Now he's an older, angry, muscular, really ripped, muscular guy. He's got that weird looking like. Shaved body with like the pecs and stuff like that. He's like what fifty six or fifty seven years old. Yeah. So it just looks kind of weird. But that's his vibe. He wears boots. He has to wear boots everywhere he goes. 
He's got probably got the hair implants, streak, flip back, and the sunglasses. That's his thing. He wants to be a badass, and that's fine. He has he has banged a lot of hot young women, by the way, even lately. I think he's kind of a badass. Yeah, I mean, I don't like when he kicks reporters with his boots and shit like that, <laughs> or when he like you know started had the gun collection, the whole thing with the gun collection. Uh, but whatever. So he's he's going to interview El Chapo for Rolling Stone. Do this really cool piece about El Chapo. Uh, no one's ever interviewed him before. He's on the run. This is the time, El, I think, the third time El Chapo was on the run from the prisons that kept letting him go, mysteriously <laughs> let him go for some amount of money. Uh, so he gets this interview for Rolling Stone with El Chapo that Kate Del, Del Castillo, the Mexican actress, sets up because El Chapo wants to meet her. He doesn't give a shit about Sean Penn. And they meet in the jungle, and they do the interview, and the interview came out okay. So we, if I could stop you real quick. At this point in the, in the pr- uh, progression of this story, Sean Penn, Kate Del Castillo, both actors, are going to meet El Chapo. Why? Uh, they're going to meet El Chapo to do, interview him for a, for a profile piece, a, not, van, a vanity piece. Not buying it. Uh, El Chapo is a huge fan of... Uh, like you said, Castillo, but he's also a big fan of American movies, like most powerful foreign men are. And uh, they went, uh, in my opinion, to discuss producing a movie that he was going to finance. Well, they didn't say that specifically, but yes, that was the And subtext. then Sean Penn wrote an article after it kind of publicly came out that he went to El Chapo's the ru- I mean, they claim He claims that was more of a ruse to get them to meet, which is El Chapo was going to make a movie starring Cake Del Castillo and maybe even himself. In some sort of uh, action, ro- action romance. Why would Del Castillo want to out uh, El Chapo? Because- she didn't. She didn't. The, I mean, the, the, so the, the whole thing comes down. There's a documentary on Netflix now. And I think the standard for Netflix documentary is will people watch it? That's mm-hmm. a journalistic standard for it because a lot of them seem very, very flimsy. I'm going to watch it. I'm totally going to watch it. Uh, and and in, in the, in the uh, documentary, it's a documentary from Kate Del Castillo's standpoint from her point of view. She claims Sean Penn actually went there with ulterior motives, which included uh, fucking her. Fair enough. I believe that. And that he did. He succeeded. I believe that, too. I don't think fucking someone, fucking a hot actress can be an ulterior motive. That seems like a, a very, very f- primary, primary motive. <laughs> if you're not expecting, if you're a hot actress going through the jungle with a dude, you've got to expect that coming. Yeah, because I would argue the element of danger is quite low. Yes. They're not going to kill two famous actors. Well, they are, they have killed a lot of people and they are drug lords so they, there's, a, there's an aspect of like we've killed, beheaded 200 people and we don't give a shit about society so much. So or even for- just happy trigger people, even just happy trigger people or just psychotics. You can't account for psychotics. Yeah, I guess there's a lot that could go wrong. Yeah, so uh, 30 minutes after they met, they did the interview with El Chapo and they left up in this mountain, windy mountain road, wherever he was, the federales, federales suddenly discovered El Chapo, his location. He had fled at that point. I guess he was five minutes ahead of the, of the cops. And Kate Del Castillo in the documentary uh, insinuates that, that uh, insinuates, says that Sean Penn leaked his whereabouts to the Department of Justice, who then alerted the federales, who then went to go capture El Chapo. This is not like a small little accusation. <laughs> this is like an accusation that Sean Penn ratted out a drug, ratted out a drug lord. Why would Sean Penn do that? He kisses those people's asses. If you read his article, he was he fancies El Chapo some sort of uh, folk hero or something. I don't know. The question to me is, does this make Kate Del Castillo a bigger asshole than Sean Penn? This is about the worst thing you do to somebody in terms of turning on them. Like, not only did he fuck me, but he tried to fuck El Chapo. So now, yes. who, wants to, who wants to hang out with Sean Penn? He essentially days? just put a hit out on Sean Penn. Yes. I think of all the reasons you don't want to hang out with Sean Penn, now you have the fact that the Mexican drug lords are trying to assassinate him. Well, that's why I don't, I just don't believe that 
he did that. I, I just don't see why these two people who have maybe never met before or have anything in common, who are both actors, went to go visit this drug lord for a fairly flimsy Rolling Stone piece on his part. It doesn't make any sense. You have to watch the documentary, all told from her point of view, where she's amazing, <laughs> and Sean Penn is like a snitch, a DOJ snitch for uh, whoever was it, uh, you know, for uh, whoever was the, d- the attorney general at the time. So, uh, so in her opinion, Sean Penn had this elaborate ruse to bust El Chapo. I don't know if that was his whole point of going, but, I mean, look, everyone's in, you, you mentioned this earlier, everyone in Hollywood, we talked about this earlier, everyone in Hollywood is an opportunist. Yeah, everyone's a, everyone in Hollywood's an opportunist. Not Hollywood's not alone in that, but everyone's an opportunist. So that's they all, why I think they were discussing a film. I think I think the film was why I think I can see El Chapo not giving a shit about a Rolling Stone article from Sean Penn, but I can see him wanting to fund a movie where Kate, Kate Del Castillo, his little idol, is in, and he gets to fuck her. Yeah, I think without, was... without having without having to rape her, without having to rape her, <laughs> he gets to Harvey Weinstein her essentially. Oh, you mean like his character? No, I mean, or is he, he crazy enough? He thinks he's going to play himself in the movie. Uh, I think he was thought he was going to be in the movie himself, <laughs> and also no, there was evidence that he liked. He thought he fancied himself a handsome guy, all that kind of these drug lords, drug lords, you know. Yeah, yeah. He probably has all the all the pussy he wants. Pretty coked up. But he was like the he was like the Harvey Weinstein of uh, Central Mexican uh, of the Sinaloa cartel. He was looking for an excuse to get her to his. Four Seasons Hotel, if you will, to watch him bathe and give him massages. Yeah. And the movie role was, was the thing that he thought would be his entree into, like, not having just kidnap her and rape her. He, probably, at the end of the day, he probably likes a consensual sex better than the rape. Yeah, she wanted something from him, which was a movie role. Yes. And he wanted, uh, I, from what I read, which who knows, I, I feel like he more just wanted to kind of, like, be around her and eventually fuck her. But, like, I feel like he was more like a fanboy, if anything. Yeah, but who wants to be around a hot actress to hear her talk? Hear her talk? Especially uh, when you're an on-the-run drug lord who's a busy You're a not busy thinking man. it through. When you're debating visiting the strip club, you know, you're not, you're not picturing the conversation after you spend all your money. I hate, I hate, I just want to say, I hate any story that makes me feel bad for Sean Penn. <laughs> I just don't like, it really takes a lot to make you feel bad for Sean Penn. And this story now makes me feel bad for Sean Penn. I have no idea what the fuck he was doing in the jungle, like doing those weird. Did you ever see the videos of the videos he captured of El Chapo, like El Chapo talking? Yeah, it was just weirdly bizarre. He was talking, he was talking about raising chickens and shit like that. He was, was also just... trying to give El Chapo the fucking, you know, uh, whatever you call it, editorial power yes. to like essentially craft his own propaganda piece. And then I think someone found out about that and was like, "Are you insane?" Uh, you know, Sean Penn's not a journalist, obviously, but. <laughs> no. He, He's uh, just beloved by South by Latin American dictators. He and they, you know he didn't even write that. Pe- I don't know, man. They had a fucking nefarious plot that was based on self interest. You know, Sean Penn. Uh, he admires those those sort of dictator type guys, and I think that he wanted to write or, or you know tell some kind of story like, uh, yeah, El Chapo's a bad guy, but really it's the American uh, you know drug laws which are fostering all this violence, and he also does you know El Chapo does a lot for his community, which is all true. You know, it's not just as simple as this guy's terrible and these people aren't aren't, but. I, wow, I, wow, Matt. Your rationalism. I mean, he does give a lot to his local poor community like uh, Pablo Escobar did, who was much beloved in his neighborhood. Well, there, yeah. They did also kill a shitload of people. Well, there would be no cartels if, you know, if not for the U.S.'s drug laws. No, I understand that, but you don't have to be the drug kingpin who kills people. There are some people in Mexico that just make tamales. Yeah. No, I'm not <laughs> sticking up for El Chapo or whatever, but it's just not a black and white issue. And um, The only victim, I will say this, the only victim in the story is El Chapo. He's the only guy I feel sorry for in this story. He's the only one with the clean hands in this whole Kate Del Castillo and Sean Penn story. It's El Chapo. He just wanted to make a movie and, and maybe get an actress's pants. 
<laughs> seems like the big to me. Uh, Matt, you have something you wish to pimp and promote on this week's show? You know, with all this terrible racism going against Latinos, <laughs> have we proposed if, if we're going to deport anyone, uh, maybe not so much the dude at the Chili's washing the, the plates and, and glasses, how about uh, Kate Del Castillo? She is shady as fuck. She is a very, she is a very shady. I mean, hot, hot international actresses, short of uh, 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 Preeti Upala, who we just interviewed earlier, <laughs> I'd say are very shady people in, very shady people in general. Uh, I'm uh, Matt Ralston.net. I wrote a thing about Forrest Gump, a movie that came out 20-some years ago. Uh, not, an 80, not an 80s movie, though. No, no, 94. I would ask you what it's about, but I want people to go to MattRalston.net to read it. And Twitter at Matthew Ralston. And uh, Facebook, whatever. And, of course, I want to thank Rocco's in Studio City. You guys were fantastic. The best pizza. Don't let Brian serve you the pizza. He has a little bit of a cold. (laughs) (laughs) Rocco's Pizza in Studio City. Come for the giant mocktails. They're the best. (laughs) Brian, you got something to say. I can see it's on the tip of your tongue. Not really much going on with me, but go Dodgers. Please don't fire me. Whoa, I'm an Astros guy, I got to (laughs) say. I'm just an anti-Dodgers guy being from San Francisco. I, I could care less. Although I feel... Houston has the hurricane, so they deserve something. And uh, L.A. has a lot of other shit going on. <laughs> uh, you can catch me on The Blaze on Friday mornings if you'd like to wake up at 4 a.m. <laughs> 4 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Or on What Would Tyler Dern Do? Last Minute Earth. Talk to you next week.